We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This week on the Garage Beers Podcast, it is episode number 159, and we are just hanging out in the garage, chilling, drinking beers, and talking sports, and we're going to hit on all of our favorites. We're going to talk a little bit about the Blue Jackets. We're going to talk a little bit about the Guardians. We're going to talk a little bit about the Cavs. We're going to talk about coaching and and, and the leashes coaches, coaches should get, and then we're going to have a great Cleveland Browns all-time draft pick draft, all that and more, so coming up the driveway... Unfold your favorite lawn chair, crack open a cold one, and join us for Garage Beers. What's going on? Happy Tuesday night, everybody. It is a beautiful night here on the OBR Streaming Network. And Tuesday night at 9 p.m. can only mean one thing. It's time for Garage Beers Live, episode 159. And we hope you're ready for a great show. A show where we're just hanging out. We're just hanging out tonight. Uh, no, no big special guest tonight, but that's cool because we love just our hangout episodes. And, and actually, it's going to be just the two of us for a little while uh, until Joey shows up later. We're going to have a great time on episode 159. Again, brought to you live here on the OBR streaming network. Make sure you are tuned in to all things OBR, whether it's the streaming network, shows going four nights a week. Wait till you see what we have planned for the NFL draft. It's going to be amazing, including one day where we are all just hanging out together uh, over on the east side of Cleveland, I believe, Chad. So uh, you'd probably be there with us. Uh, but uh, a great a great situation going for the NFL draft on the OBR streaming network. And make sure you're tuned into the website as well for all the best articles concerning the Cleveland Browns that you're going to get. Also, go follow the show at The Garage Beers on all the socials uh, just so you can keep up with us, see what we got going on, see any special guests we've got coming up, and so much more. With you as always, I'm your host, Michael Keefe. And with me on the east side of Cleveland, it's my co-host. It's Chad Meyer. What's up, Chad? Was I right? Were you? Are you in Marietta? You're not far off. Okay. You're not. I I don't really know where Marietta is. Uh, I, I, you know where I am. You know where I am. Huh. Uh, I'm in. I'm basically just sitting right outside of Huntington, West Virginia. <laughs> okay. I mean, that's like, close I, enough. I ate dinner in Huntington, West Virginia today. Oh. It's like 20 minutes from here. Nice. Nice. Oh, perfect. Yeah. So you pretty much, oh, you pretty much are there. You pretty much are like Marietta, Athens, like, cause Marietta is like the very Southern tip of Ohio. Yeah, but it's, it's East. So it's the Southeastern part of Ohio. Oh. So it's, it's a little more North. It's, it's, it's not super close to here. 
So you are so you are down where people think in in Ohio think they're actually from the south. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Like very much so, Chad. Yeah. It's it's uh let's just say we get like dry counties and stuff down here. Nice. It's like the Bible nice. belt of Ohio. Well, so, uh yeah, it it's 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 not bad. Listen, Huntington, West Virginia, cool little college town, right? That's where Marshall is. Uh so you know, college town in Huntington. Uh, I'm in Ashland, Kentucky. Okay. Which is okay. I, I I said this last night. I explained it to my wife like this. It's like the city of Lorraine, but like before everything left. Mm. Like mm. it's okay over here. It's an all right place. So yeah, I'm just I'm just down here in just dead ass south central Ohio. Nice. South Central. Wow. Well, uh I, I I'd like to start off my uh Evening, Mike here with a cheers. I got a cheers. I got a oh. cheers later, uh, too. But I, okay. I have to start with this cheers because I, I've, n- I've been so excited to talk to you about this. Oh, and I'm so there's, excited. There's no real reason why, but okay. I'm just so excited to talk to you about this because it's so fucking wacky. Okay. Uh, I, I'm going to start the show with a cheers to Jake the Snake Roberts. Uh, okay. I, I watched his uh, biography on A and E. Uh, which, by the way, if you were a wrestling fan, especially as a kid, like back in the 80s, late 80s, early 90s, I totally recommend you go on these this the A&E and watch the WWE biographies because they are fascinating. But, Mike, I just watched the one on Jake the Snake, okay? Yep. Uh, the reason why I'm giving a cheers is the fact that that guy chose copious amounts of drugs and alcohol uh, over becoming a serial killer. The world should thank him. I mean, I mean, the world needs to thank him. He should receive some sort of award, some sort of plat, like something. Because like, my I God, when you read like, about his, when you when you learn about his childhood, it's worse than most serial killers you read about. It is. It's worse. I feel like I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. Like I know Jake the Snake comes from like a troubled past. And oh, well, I'm about to tell you. Got caught up. That's why I'm so excited to talk to you about time. this. I'm about to tell you. Okay. All right. Okay. Tell me about Jake the Snake Roberts. Oh, God. So, and then you'll understand why I just made that comment I made. Uh, and I'm cheersing him for this. So his dad was a professional wrestler back in the 60s, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so his dad was a professional wrestler back in the 60s. His name was Grizzly Smith. Seven foot, 300 pound fucking monster, right? Okay. Grizzly, good old Grizzly, <laughs> hooks, hooks up with his grandma, right? Yeah. Wait, whoa. You heard that right. You heard that right. What the fuck did you just say? Yeah. Hooks up with his grandma. Mm-hmm. Yep. No. No. Grandma gets pregnant. Okay. No. Grandma has a daughter. Okay. No, oh, you're not it, gonna you're not gonna do what you're about to do. Oh, yes. Yes, I am. You're not gonna Yes, I am. Uh daughter turns 12 years old. No. Okay. Grizzly Smith rapes 12-year-old daughter. Okay. Okay, a 12-year-old daughter gets pregnant, okay? Out pops Jake the Snake. No. Yeah, out pops Jake the Snake. Yep. No. Yep. Yeah, I, I don't know. And and then this next part, I don't know the backstory behind it because they didn't explain it, but Grizzly Smith somehow marries this 12-year-old after that. And they, they uh, are married for another three years, have two more kids. So that's two daughters, uh, two daughters and Jake. Okay. What is the twelve-year-old's relation to Grizzly? Uh, he is the daughter of the grandma hookup that he that he 
that he just made. Yeah. Yeah. So it's his kid. It's 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 his kid. Yeah. It is it is his kid. But also like his sister? <laughs> yeah. It's it's a crazy weird twisted tale. Right? So they get divorced, right? Grizzly, I, again, they didn't explain this part, but Grizzly somehow marries another 15-year-old, has two more kids. No. Right? Two daughters. Uh, oh, sorry, three more kids. Two daughters and another son. When those four daughters turn 12, no. 13 years old, 12, 13 years old, Grizzly diddles all of them. He, 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 he messes with all of them. Okay. Back to Jake. This is all in this documentary. This is all in this documentary. Because because they write because one of Jake's brothers, they, they try to write out a family tree. They try, Mike. They try to write out a family tree. It's just it's just the trunk. It's, it's just, just the, the trunk. trunk. That's, just, that's yeah. it. So uh obviously being a 15-year-old mom, uh Jake's mom can't take care of them alone, right? Right. So they go live with his grandparents. The grandma, who's, by the way, the, the, the mother of Jake's mom. Right. Yeah. No, I'm picking this up. So they go live with the grandpa. Grandpa is an alcoholic who beats the hell out of Jake. Right. Okay. And then when Jake turns, again, like 12, 13 years old, he decides he's going to live with his dad. Okay. Who's now married to a different woman, but who's like an 18, 19 year old woman. For the first like four or five months, this goes great. Right. This goes perfectly fine. Okay. But apparently five months in, stepmom starts molesting Jake Jeez. and then forces Jake to have sex with him, right? right. Uh, multiple times. But then uh, after said sex, the stepmom beats the shit out of Jake every time because, he, and this is according to Jake's words, he said, we can't let your dad know. He'll kill us. So... He beats the sh- why would what, what, uh, Jake's dad wouldn't have a problem with he this? He beats the shit out of Jake. She beats the shit out of Jake because every time, like pretending like he was the one that forced himself on her. So yeah, and then it ends that way, right? Like it it, it ends that way. That's so it. yeah, That's like a, they, like they they move on to Jake's wrestling career after that. It gets more twisted after that. Like after that, beyond that, like Jake's mom gets killed by her sister or something like that. Like it just. But just that alone, the fact that that guy chose copious amounts of drugs and alcohol instead of killing people. <laughs> Good for him. Wow, dude. Wow. <laughs> Good for him. That's wild, Chad. Is, isn't it? Isn't it crazy? That That is wild. <laughs> what? Yeah. Yeah. Like they oh, like his brother Lord. tried to write out a family tree and no joke. Like halfway through, he just stopped. He's like, that's that's where it ends. <laughs> that's where that's where that's that's that is it, man. I. I was not ready for this to start the show, Chad. Yeah, yeah. Anytime you're feeling down about your life, go ahead and pop that oh. up. <laughs> well, good for Jake the Snake. Yeah. Lots of trouble in his adult life. Yeah. Yeah. Those drugs and alcohol almost killed him like 700 times. Yeah. I mean, typical wrestler. He was an absentee father. Typical wrestler back then. Absentee father on the road 300 could, days a year. Could hardly walk. Yeah. Yeah. And then he like, and then he got it together. Yeah. DDP. DDP. He credits, DDP he credits Diamond him. Dallas Page. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's wild. That's a wild story. That's a wild story. Right, right. I, I'm glad you guys. I'm glad you guys are enjoying enjoying this. Like Mick the dog in breeding explains a lot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Chad, you got plans with uh, you got plans with Sean on. Saturday. Oh, beautiful. Okay. So how'd you shoot, Mike? He will see you Saturday. Uh, I didn't shoot bad. Yeah. Uh, I I, w- I would like to talk a little bit about uh, the golf game today. It wasn't bad. It wasn't great. Okay. But it wasn't bad. Tell me about it. But I got a surprise 
because I see somebody sitting in the background of this podcast and he's not supposed to be here until like 10 o'clock. <laughs> he's not supposed to be here until the last half hour of the show. And instead I see him just sitting there. So it kind of feels like we have a special guest, even though we don't have a special guest. Welcome on in everybody from Nashville, Tennessee. It's Joey Whalen. What's up? <laughs> Let's go. Oh, did I walk into <laughs> What a weird time. So, like, I can hear everything going on in the backstage. Yeah. And I, I thought you were talking about that cocaine bear for a minute. No. Again, and, you only talk about that. Well, yeah. I mean, I'm sure there's bear inbreeding that goes on. Like, I don't think I'd be wrong to say that's not common practice yeah. with bears. They don't know who Especially if they're in storing kilos of cocaine. <laughs> um, that's fair. Yeah, that was strange. I was... Yeah, I don't I don't really have any words for that. I'm happy to be here though. <laughs> My call got canceled. I had to give a presentation, but like we had to I had to do it once this morning, then we were gonna replicate it again for a different time zones. Uh, but then they just played the recording. So I was like, well, I'm good. So it's hard to have words for that, right? You like you look at that and you're like, Oh yo, dude. Yeah. No, I I I don't I'm good. I'm good. I'm gonna drink some beer. What's up, guys? Yo, yeah, listen in. <laughs> we got listen, we got a lot of stuff to talk about. Uh we got the Cleveland Guardians are off to a, a hot start. That game last night was wild out in Oakland. Yeah. Uh, we'll talk about that. We got uh, the Cavaliers are playing right now. They're desperately trying to lose to the Magic, but they just keep winning. But they keep turning the ball over a thousand times in a row. Uh, so we'll see how the Cavs turn out. They're going. This would be their 50th win, and this win would lock up the four seed for the Cavaliers. Uh, so we'll see how this game goes. Uh, We've got the Masters coming up this weekend. We got opening day coming up this weekend. We had March Madness wrapping up. There's a lot to talk about with March Madness, including the women's tournament, which was PS better than the men's tournament. Uh, we've got, we, we've got, we just got a lot of stuff. We had WrestleMania this last week. We could talk about that while we're on Jake the Snake. We got all kinds of stuff. We got all st- kinds of stuff to go over. So, guys, after Chad's story there, I don't want to wait any longer. We got to get into these garage beers. <laughs> okay. I need a beer. I need a beer if we're going to continue shit like this. So why don't we kick it off with our garage <laughs> beers of the week? Joe, you just came on. What's what's your beer of the week? What are you drinking? I got my favorite bar beer, Montucky Cold Snack. So good. It's better than any what Miller Lite. Montucky Montucky, Montucky Cold Snack. Oh! Where the hell is Montucky? Oh. Uh, you would think. Montana no? or Kentucky? Montana. Yeah, it's, it's Montana. Ah. Ah. Yeah, actually, I had to think about that, but it says the unofficial beer of Montana. Nice. All right. Damn, is it good? I wonder it's if Montana crazy. knows that. <laughs> yeah, right. Probably not. <laughs> I don't know. Montana doesn't know many things. Yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> but look how beautiful that Canada's just nice and vibey, very retro. The horizon. Who knew Joe's? I don't know. Who knew Joe's like just a uh, light beer choice was Montana's oh, yeah. state beverage. Bozeman's Bozeman's finest. All right, Bozeman, Montana. I got a cousin that lives there, and they love it. Yeah. So shout out to Bozeman. Go All right, Chad, what about you? What are you drinking tonight? Uh, well, I've got um, the Southern Tier, the French Toast Ale. Woo! I'm gonna drink. Uh, I'm gonna drink these last two. Uh, this was really good from the start. Uh, I haven't had your Quench yeah. Toast Ale yet, but really uh, this is still good. It's uh, what is it? Toasted caramel notes blend into flavors i i can't see it i gotta turn the lights up here uh but yeah it's good it's it's it's, it's, it's an nice. old man it's, trying to read a beer bottle it's like oh i'm like what's your dancer say give me my bifocals give, give me my bifocals french uh, toast yeah but no it's good it's it's a delicious brew make the dogs on a roll in these comments uh, he was on a roll last night he's on a roll tonight he was just in montana had a bud light <laughs> great yeah i get a local when you're there 
Yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, elsewhere, Ty Sox is having strawberry wheat by uh, Lancaster Brewing Company. Uh, Sean is having Captain and Ginger. Always a good really? choice. And listen, I you know where I was calling us like Captain and Ginger, but Which none of, of us are Ginger. ginger. Yeah, exactly. Was, well, and I'm well, Captain now. I'm the Captain. Uh, you do have a hat on. That's true. Uh, we know we're on the OBR. We know we talk Browns a lot. And we are actually going to talk a little Browns at the end of the show. We got something fun planned for the Browns uh, as we are officially in NFL draft month. Like we are officially there. Uh, draft coverage is going wild. Uh, rumors are going wild with the Browns. This is just not going to be a very Browns heavy episode because we're just kind of in that phase. The, the, the free agents have signed. It's not like they're not going to do anything else. Rumors of Al Woods. We would love that uh, if, if they brought Al Woods in on the defensive line. So there's a couple more rumors, maybe another veteran edge player. But for the most part, we're kind of in that boring, let's get ready for the draft. And uh, it's not even all that exciting right now because the Browns don't pick until pick 78. And so uh, it's not like we're getting ready for them to take a top 15 player or anything. But we'll get into it. We got something fun for the Browns later. Uh, but, boys, uh, I'll bring it over to my beer. Uh, okay, so down here. Again, a lot of these people think that they live in the Bible Belt in uh, northern Kentucky, southern Ohio, uh, and Western West Virginia. And so like I went, I went golfing today and I get to the golf course and I'm thinking, you know what? I, I'm going to go play. It's just me by myself. There's nobody else at this golf course. Literally. I was, I, I played 18 holes in two hours and 10 minutes. Wow. Nice. It was, it was awesome. It was awesome. But I, I get in to, uh, I get into like the, the clubhouse uh, Justin's drinking a land shark. Nothing wrong with a land shark. Don't blow yourself. Don't put yourself shark. down. Don't don't put yeah. yourself down, Justin. Enjoy that land shark. Uh, I walk into the clubhouse and I realize they don't serve beer at this golf course. Uh, hmm. uh, what the fuck? What? What? What do you mean you don't whoa. serve? Beer? I asked the guy. I asked the guy. It's kind of a young dude working, like you know, like by young golf course. Uh, I mean, like my age, because most people that work at golf courses are eighty. Uh. And I just looked at this guy, and you could tell this is a guy that like enjoys some beers. And I'm like, "Do you guys not serve beer here?" And he was like, "He's like, we were a dry county until six months ago, uh. and so places are still trying to get like their licenses to serve uh. beer." And he goes, "He goes in Kentucky, even if we get a license to serve beer, our initial license, we can only serve beer, and you can only drink it in the clubhouse. You can't take it out on the." Place <laughs> oh my god! I'm so like, stupid. what? Who, where am I? Who makes these rules up, man? Who makes this crap up? Uh, so I go out, I hit the golf course. I play, it's like a round of speed golf, but I was just by myself. And so I played like, I, I don't know. I just kind of took my time and went through it and still played in two hours. But I sent you guys a video and it's the same video I put on Twitter. Now I'm not lying to you because I had plenty of bad shots on my round. Plenty, Especially when we got into like that, like, seven iron range. I just couldn't hit it today. I just couldn't, I couldn't hit it, but I get my driver out. I'm up on a tee that's elevated like way up above the fairway. And then the fairway slopes all. It's just a slope all the way down to the green. And the wind is at my back and it's kind of windy down here. And I get my driver out and I just crank one and I hit the, I hit the snot out of it. Like, Legitimately, on a flat hold, normal day, it's probably going to be sitting there at about two seventy five. Oh. Like I hit it well. All right, that's a good. That's a that's an area where I will sit on a 
I want, I don't want to say regularly because regularly is like in the trees, but when I hit a good drive, I'm usually in that like 270 area, which is cool. I'm, I'm happy there. Okay. There's a, there is a cart path <laughs> that goes across the fairway at about 270 and the green is 340. My drive, I blast this thing. It's going all the way downhill. It hits the car, the cart path, bounces across. I get all the way down to the green. My ball is 10 yards over the green on a 340-yard <laughs> par four. Wow. Dang. That's a hell of a bounce. It was awesome. It was awesome. Wow. Yeah, between the fact that there was a bounce. Listen, this is not a normal shot. There, the grass is not back yet, so it's just everything rolls forever. And it was dry today. Yeah. Uh, it's downhill, the wind at my back, and I hit it well. Like, just boom, 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 everything right. 10 yards over the green on a 340-yard par four. So that, that's my highlight. That's my highlight. That's solid. Nice. Two, but then I had another one. Later in the round, there was like this big dog leg to the right par four. And it's only 260 yards if you hit it over like this valley. But like... Nine out of ten times, I'm going to hit this thing in the valley, right? Sure. Nope. Landed that baby on the green and just, like, was sitting just over the green. It was great. It was – those wow. two shots are what make you come back for golf. I ignore the fact that on, like, the easiest par three of all time, I put the ball in the water, <laughs> right? Like, ignore that. <laughs> ignore the fact that, like, I had one hole where I hit the ball about 300 yards. Again, all downhill. And I was maybe 20 yards from the green, and it yeah. took me four shots to get in the hole from there. <laughs> uh so ignore that dude the two shots ahead awesome, awesome. dude some i'm of, going back i'll play golf again dude dude some of my best rounds of golf have come when no one is around and i can't talk about them because no one's gonna believe me like no, that's how that's how i felt yeah but like sometimes you just gotta talk about your good shots yeah yeah oh 100 like i shot uh like usually okay if everything is going well for me uh i'm usually in like the mid 90s for for 18 holes right yeah but on my honeymoon, uh, my wife let me go out by myself and golf in Hilton Head, and 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 I shot an eighty-two. I can't talk about it, but it was real. That happened. But we've all done that. We've all done that. We've all done like we've all had those rounds. I've had a couple of those rounds with like with your dad, Joe. I've had yeah. a couple of those rounds. I had one round where just everything, just everything was right. Yeah. And then the next round, I think I shot like a hundred and two. That's what yeah. it is. Yeah. But see, no one was with me there. No one. I got paired with no one. It was all by myself. And I was like, why, why, why can't, why can't Mike or Joey be here with me right now? Because I played, I played golf with Joe. I played golf with Joe. Uh, I don't remember when it was, but man, par four, Joe takes his driver out, just bashes the ball dead down the fairway smash. and, and winds up five feet from the hole on a par four. Yeah. It was the great. It was just, just yeah. but then the other ninety percent are just sometimes. absolute banana slices. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hey. Anyways, I got a beer. So, anyways, my whole point in talking about where I was is very hard to find local beers down here. Again, the Kentucky County that I'm in was a dry county, so there's no like breweries down here. Uh, Huntington, West Virginia, is a college town, and there's bars and stuff, but it just isn't like a brewery. Play. It just is. There's not a lot going on. But I found one over in Huntington, West Virginia. I found a place called The Peddler. And I went and ate dinner there, first of all. It was awesome. Uh, but they had a good list of beers. And so I couldn't help myself but to buy this one. And so this is a chocolate stout. Ooh. It's not my favorite beer I've ever had. But it's okay. But it's called Old Greg. Oh, God. 
And I'm going with old Greg. I don't know. You guys remember old Greg? Uh, yeah, we're doing a party where people wee on each other. Yeah, yeah. Oh shit! That I got a mangina. <laughs> I'm old Greg. <laughs> Jesus Christ! I can't believe you don't know about that, Joe. You got a buddy. Uh, You're like close buddies. Name is Greg. Yeah, I guess we never really. You're gonna have to watch it. Connection. Now we're gonna have to watch it. You got to look up old Greg. It's wild. It's weird British comedy at its worst. I love, but also at its best. Would you say? I love weird British comedy. (laughs) Then you'll love old Greg. Great, because he drinks Bailey's out of a shoe. Yes. (laughs) You ever go to a club where people wee on each other? (laughs) Jesus Christ. (laughs) Uh, So yeah. Anyways, they they uh, they had. Uh, they had an old Greg, a chocolate stout. Mm. Again, it's okay. It's all right. Normally, like a chocolate stout, I want a little, it's kind of bitter. It's kind of bitter for a chocolate stout, mm-hmm. but it's pretty good. It's pretty good. So shout out. And you know what? So a the, stout that drinks like a porter. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, it's kind of light like that, too. It's not that heavy stout. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's not what I'm looking right, for in a stout. Right. But, but it's okay. And you know what? For the fact that there's just nowhere else to go down here. And this place was a cool place inside. The food was good. It's like a brewery and an arcade inside. It's cool. It's our, It's an all right place. It's okay. Noise. So. Noise. So anyways, those are our beers. You guys in uh, that are joining us live here tonight have shared some of your beers. If you're not joining us live, get onto our socials. Let us know if we should go find any beers to try out. Uh, but guys, let's get into episode 159 of the Garage Beers podcast. Again, just the three of us hanging in the garage, just getting ready to kind of talk sports. And, and we got a lot of stuff to talk about. The Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, just took down the Orlando Magic in just an ugly game. An ugly game, but the Cavs have won their 50th game of the year. They have locked up the four seed for the playoffs. What do you guys want to talk about first, though? We got the Guardians off to a great start. We got the Cavs just locked up the four seed in the playoffs. Like, what do you guys want to talk about first? I'll tell you what. I'm watching the Jackets right now, and... No, great. That's what we're talking about first? Listen, I, mean, <laughs> listen, I don't know, but... the. the the way they've played, you know, they're playing the Toronto Maple Leafs tonight. They've been a thorn in the Maple Leafs side, the three games yeah. that they've played this year. I mean, they're, they're playing them close. I mean, it's a one-goal game here with only four minutes to go in the third, and they're putting the pressure on. So, I mean, it's – it's. Uh, I mean, the Jackets are still the Jackets. They've given up almost 50 shots, but they're taking advantage of their opportunities. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I would be uh, – at, at this point in the season, because I preached all year, guys, right? I preached all year that, like, Yes, yeah, obviously you want obviously you know fans want the jackets to lose but but they want the players to kind of have that same mindset and that's just not possible and the the jackets certainly no. aren't playing like that but I'll tell you what I, I wouldn't be but I, at this point in the season I wouldn't be surprised and I think the players would even tell you like you know we're not gonna try to lose the games we're not mentally we're not gonna lose the games but I think if you ask them, uh, can you just are you just ready for the season to be over I think that I think a lot of these guys would say yes. But there's a lot of bright spots going forward, guys. I mean, Kent Johnson and Kirill Marchenko. I mean, Kirill Marchenko just set the record for goals uh, scored by a rookie for, for this franchise. And they're both near the top uh, of the league in points by rookies. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's more young development coming in. And that's only going to help if they, whether it's Adam Fantilli, whether it's Carlson, whether it's Bedard. I, I, Juracek? Yeah, Juracek. You, know, you still got him coming? Yeah, Chino yeah, on an extension today. I think, I think it's, uh, you know... I think the future is still bright if they can figure out this goaltending situation along with some defense. They're gonna have to. They're gonna have to figure out where they're at, right? Because you've got some superstar players on your team, or some star players. You've got one superstar, a couple star players, and you've got young players. You got to find a way to merge it. 
Yeah. Because eventually the superstar player and the star players are going to get kind of uh, tired of this. Yeah. No. So you got to find a way to win. You got like, this can't be like a, hey, let's let these young guys come up and this is going to be great. and We can wait three years for it. I'm telling you another year or two and your guy, Johnny Gaudreau or Patrick Laine or Boone Jenner are going to be like, all right, I've had enough of this. Yeah. Like you got to find a way to merge it. Sure. And that starts with finding a goaltender that doesn't suck ass. Right. Right. And you got to do that. And it, and it, and it, and it goes into finding, it goes into focusing, you know, you drafted like all defense last year, last <laughs> year. Some of those guys got to be able to come in and play. Right. Right. And then some of these guys, listen, Kent Johnson is a stud, a stud. Yep. He's a stud. Kent Johnson is top line material yep. in the NHL. And he will be for a long time. But some of the other guys got to come through. It's just, yeah, it's 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 a long year. Uh, it just for me, it sucks. You know what this reminds me of a little bit? Mm. It reminds me of uh, remember the Cavs a few years ago uh, where they had a bad year, but then they kind of got hot towards the end of the year, and there was yeah. a little bit of hope. And and you had JB Bickerstaff, and there was a little bit of hope, and then they came out the next year and didn't get better. Right. <laughs> right. The what was that? Two years ago? I think so. Yeah. Yeah, two years ago they came out the next year and they didn't they didn't get better. Right. And it was like, what the, what the hell? Yeah. How did you play? Okay. Last year. And then you didn't get better this year. Right. With young players and all that. That's where the blue jackets feel like they're at. Like, remember the blue jackets last year were kind of fun. Yeah. They were kind of a fun team. They went through their lulls or whatever, but they were pretty competitive all throughout the year. They were fun. They were better than anybody expected. Right. Uh, and, uh, and this year they were worse than everybody expected. Right. Yeah, and, I mean, and, and you can talk about injuries, and you can talk about this or that, but like a lot, every team has injuries. Sure, sure. Every team goes through it. Sure. So hopefully, the Blue Jackets can follow the Cavs' progression at least, and say, okay, well, we had like a down year compared to what we were thinking we were going to have, and now it's time for us to have an up year because that was basically last year for the Cavs, where they got into the playoff series or the play-in series, uh, but they showed market improvement that the blue jackets have to be markedly improved next year. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think they so. Have to be. I think, yeah, I think so. I mean, and I think again, it's, it's not like this team is void of talent. I mean, you see the flashes there. Like I met, just mentioned the young guys. I mean, the, be- the, the jackets also had the best, uh, has have had one of the best power plays since February 21st. Which is so, I mean, there's, there, there's flashes there. Uh, but yeah, if they, if they can fix this goaltender situation, I think, and you know what, another thing to bring up is, even if even if we don't get Bedard, right? You still have like say the Jackets get the number two pick. You still have a number one center in Kent Johnson. Okay, Kent Johnson yeah. is a center prospect. Okay, I mean because yeah. people have been clamoring for a number one center for this team for a while, and Kent Johnson is starting to develop into that. But if it's Kent Johnson, Fantilli, there's this guy, kid Voronkov, uh in, in the pipeline. Who's you know a lot of a lot of these guys, a lot of the Jackets prospects. Uh, have had really, really good years and are super talented. So, yeah, I mean, it is it is being set up for the future, but you did want to have a little bit of a better year this year because, you know, when you look up and down this roster, it is a good mix of veteran uh, veteran talent and, and, and young guys. So hopefully they can, uh, you know, after an offseason, they can really develop that chemistry, uh, more chemistry. Uh, and again, they can get a goaltender who, you know, s- you know, saves uh, shots. A goaltender who saves Whoa. shots. What? Keeps the puck out of the net, guys. Joe, I don't, you look confused. I know you know what a hockey goalie does. 
I don't know if Joe looked confused or frozen. He's frozen. He's totally Hello? frozen. Hi there. <laughs> Can you hear me? Hello? Yeah. But, I, I um, saw that face I was making when I froze too, and I was like, ah, oh, shit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you made it great. No, uh, okay. yeah. So I just think I think the future. It, it, there's reason to be cautiously optimistic about the, the next season here for the Jackets. But the number one, I mean, number one priority is is going to be to find a goaltender this offseason. Uh, and, and listen, uh, unfortunately, whether you, whether you think it's fair or not, um, next year's going to be next year's going to be a year for Lars. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Whether you think it's fair or not, whether you whether you whether you think it's fair to question him or whether you think it's fair. Listen, the bottom line is this: last year, for his first year. Pretty good. Uh, again, the team was better than people expected. And then they weren't. And then they got worse. Yeah. And yeah. and they were worse this year. They weren't they weren't really a whole heck of a lot of fun to watch. They weren't nope. overly competitive in a ton of games. Nope. They got worse. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And 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 that's after you brought in Johnny Gaudreau. And that that's that's after you you allowed some of these younger guys another year to develop. Right. And your team got worse. And so Again, I'm not sitting here saying I don't think Lars can be the guy. I'm not sitting here saying that I don't think he's a good coach. But I am saying that next year's a big year for him. It is. Because if the team does not improve, it's going to fall on his shoulders, and rightfully so. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like Stefanski. You can talk about some of the young players. You can talk about some of the young players uh, uh, that that you're excited about. But there's also young players that haven't developed real well. Sure. No offense. We love Cole Sillinger here, former guest of the podcast. Had a brutal year this year. Yeah. yeah. Not impactful. Yeah. And and some of that's on Cole Sillinger. And, and, and a lot of that, I think you can talk about like a sophomore slump, maybe a little bit. But some of that's got to reflect on coaching. Why, why is that young dude not getting better? Sure. Sure. So it's a big year. It's a big year. And that, that brings up, uh, Sean, you asked a great question. And again, if you're joining us live here tonight, get in the comments, ask questions, and bring up things you want to talk about. Again, we're just kind of chilling tonight. A uh, very relaxed episode of Garage Beers. Uh, Sean asked a great question in the comments. Sean says, what do you guys think the timing should be for any professional sport coach before they let them go? I mean, it depends. It, it, there's a few factors in that, right? Yeah. I mean, it depends on the roster. It depends on, um, you, you know, depending on, depends on which sport you're talking about, too. Uh, yeah, I, I really think it's um, it's just a matter of the talent that is surrounding a coach and whether a coach is, whether you can see improvements in their teams or not. So yeah, it, it really is, is dependent on that. But I mean, if you're asking me, uh, like say, you know, say in the NFL, right. The NFL has become such a, what have you done for me lately type of league um, that it, it feels like that coaches and players, they don't, they don't really have time to develop anymore. So, I mean, if you're a, an NFL coach, I mean, I don't think a year is fair, no matter what the circumstances are. I'm like, like Lovey Smith. I think he just got a raw deal in Houston. Right. Like, I think he should have got another year, but like, you know, I, I think two, three years is a good time for an NFL uh, coach. But I, I, you know, I think, it, you know, in some, in, in a league like the NHL, it, it takes guys a lot longer to develop. So I think, um, you know, I think if you're a coach and you can see at least a little bit of improvement year by year and, and you can see it. something building, I think, a, I think an NHL coach should get probably about four or five years uh, 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 maximum before you know they start to think you know they to, to let them go unless they're just unless they're just not improving whatsoever unless you don't see any sort of progress year by year but you know under normal circumstances i think an nhl nhl coach should get four or five years what about you joe what's your answer to that question sounds great 
Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think I think you need time, you know, kind of. Uh, I feel like the most tangible way to view this is like when you see a new college football coach join because you have a roster of players that predate your recruiting. Yeah. Uh, and you have to have time for those players to really cycle out to bring in your recruiting classes to really see how you perform as a team. Uh, and I don't, that doesn't necessarily like directly apply to like NHL and the, the major sports, uh, but it kind of does like you, you, you inherit the team that you inherit. And I think, yeah, you need at least two to three years to, um, you know, work with management and the GM to build out the roster. That's going to succeed the best in your guys's vision um so yeah i would i would say i would say probably three years in my opinion listen uh, there's so much that goes into it right like uh, there's guys that get raw deals i'm gonna say a name and it's gonna make you all roll your eyes for a minute but there's a coach when you're talking about wins and losses and out on the field and all that stuff there's a coach here in cleveland got a terrible raw deal uh his name was hugh jackson and i know that's gonna make you roll your eyes because hugh jackson was a cunt (laughs) Well, <laughs> but like cunt with a K, but, but <laughs> what, roster did they, what roster did they put out? Sorry. He was what roster did they put out there for Hugh Jackson? I mean, yeah. that roster was atrocious. Yeah. They're, oh, here, here's Deshaun Kaiser and Cody Kessler. Or good luck. You got the same raw deal. I would yeah. think. No, no, Rob, Rob, Rob Chanzinski got a different raw deal. Rob, yeah. he never had a chance. Here, you're gonna just you're filling in until we decide to go a different way. Right. He uh, he could have been a good. I think he still could be a good coach. But but uh, the problem with he was he was such a cunt that they didn't want to give him the chance to live through the the terrible roster in the build. He was such a douche about things. And he was so stuck in his ways, right? Remember the the Oakland? Remember how hard it was to get Nick Chubb on the field? Remember how hard that was? Remember remember when Nick Chubb ran the ball three times for like 105 yards and two touchdowns or whatever it was against Oakland? And he still wouldn't put him out on the field? Remember how hard it was to get Baker Mayfield out on the field? Which I know we all have our opinions on Baker Mayfield, but like... At the time. At the time, it was Tyrod Taylor. Right. Or Baker Mayfield, and Baker was yeah. way better. So, you know, for him, it wasn't – you weren't going to get that chance. Like, I think a guy like Lars has a chance because I think a guy like Lars for the Blue Jackets, I think he and Yarmo are kind of in lockstep. Right. And I think they work well together. I think that's why Kevin Stefanski, I don't – you know, he might be a little bit on the hot seat this year if they don't do well. But, again, I think he and Andrew Barry are very much in lockstep in what they do and sure. how they operate. Yeah. And so they're going to get more chances. But, yeah, I think, you know – I think inherently turnover isn't great, but neither is hanging on to somebody that shouldn't be hung on to. Right. And that's where the delicate balance is. That's it. That's the balance. That's what you've got to try to find is I'm not just going to hang on to a guy because of, of continuity purposes. If I don't think he's any good at the same time, I got to give these guys chances to show that they are going to fail it before I get rid of them. Yeah. So, and I mean, yeah, it's, it, it's really interesting, Sean. It's a great question, Sean. Yeah. I mean, and Hugh, that, like, Hugh wasn't in lockstep with anybody, not even his own coaches. Like, if Hard Knocks was any right. indication, oh, remember? Like, he's like, <laughs> this is my bus. Yeah, it's my All bus. Right, he's yeah. like, he's like, I've been in your seat, but I'm in this seat right now. And it's not your, like, <laughs> oh, so you don't want any of your coaches' input. Okay. That's fine. That's cool. 
Is he? Are you talking about my my chair? My literal? Why chair? do you what, <laughs> like why? Why do you even have coordinators? Yeah, Hugh, just just do everything. Yeah, uh, he just yeah, he was just yeah, it, he was a dope. <laughs> and then and then and then you know we get we get lucky in Cleveland with a guy like Tito, right? Where it's just like, hey, Tito, if you'd like, you could just coach the Guardians until you die, right? Like just if yeah. you would like to just coach them until you're dead. Cool. Like, hopefully you live till you're 100. It, like, it feels like baseball it. managers are a different story, right? It feels like baseball managers, like, yeah, they make a decision, like, when to take a pitcher out, and, you know, and, and bring the bullpen in. But for the most part, it's like, it's it almost feels like a baseball manager just has to keep guys happy, right? And like, I mean, that's why Tito got him beer and chicken, the Red Sox beer and chicken. He's like, hey, listen, <laughs> all right. I think, I think the, uh, you know, and Joey, I'm sure you've got some input on this uh, being like a, a baseball guy, but I think, I think like, I think almost the main job of a baseball manager is to put a staff together. Yeah. That's really good. Yeah. And that's, yeah. That, you know, Tito's a guy that the players like Tito's a guy that the players respect Tito's going to be a, a hall of famer uh, when it's all said and done for him. But it's also, you know, it, it's, it's not the pitching staff for the guardians. Isn't just great because it's great. It's because they have the, right staff in place and right. Tito plays a part right. in putting that staff in place. And so sure. I think in baseball, I think, I think it's maybe more important than any other sport that you put a staff in place, you know, look at, look at what, look at, remember uh, what's his face? Ty Van Berkeley. Yeah. When he was the Indians hitting coach and they couldn't hit for shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like, Oh uh, my gosh, what a great change that was. Yeah. You just got to put yeah. the right, the right staff in place. Right. Joe? I mean, yeah. that, like that to me feels like such a big part of a, a baseball manager. Yeah, yeah I mean, you, that's, go ahead, go, Joe. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, sorry. I was just gonna say, you just gotta be. I mean, this sounds superficial, but you also have to be a guy that like the team respects and looks up to, and um, you know, be that presence for the team. It's such a long season. There's so many minor adjustments to make as a ball club and as a player throughout the season that you have to have someone that's level headed that can really take a step back, be controlled, be calm and collective, um, and 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 help guide the team and keep morale up throughout the season. It's just, it's so, so long. Yeah. Well, I and look at the way he acts, the way he acts all the time, look at the response that he yeah. got when weird things have happened, right? Like, look, remember Trevor Bauer launching the ball over the center field wall in Kansas city, because he had given up 12 runs for the 17th straight game. And he just sucked ass uh, at the time. And T remember Tito went out there and just like laid, like you never see Tito do that laid yeah. into him. You could tell Tito is fuming with Trevor Bauer and before he knew it, Trevor Bauer was gone, but there was no question of Tito. There was no question. It wasn't, it was so weird to see him so mad Yeah, that it was like, Oh, this must be like, uh, like I trusted that it was a really bad situation because you never see him like that. And sure. so, yeah, I, I, we're just, we're mm -hmm. so lucky to have that dude here. And, and, and a couple, a couple other coaches that I like, I mean, we're lucky with coaches. I think. Yeah. I mean, just look at him at the base. I mean, it's, 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 <laughs> It's, I mean, it's in the title, right? Tito's the manager. You know, everybody else is a hitting coach, the pitching coach, the bench coach. Yep. Like, there's no coaching involved being a baseball manager. It's really just managing the personalities and 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 making the decisions from, from what your coaches are, are telling you. It's it's really not. I mean, it feels like a baseball manager really has nothing to do with actually coaching players. Yeah, and that's you know, there's there's game plans, and, and, and I, I think in baseball, a lot of people, uh, baseball is you don't see it as much. Right. Like football, you see a guy calling plays and basketball, the guys up on the sideline yelling and calling out plays and all that stuff. And in baseball, I think a lot of the coaching and a lot of the managing gets done not in the game. Uh, it's in the game plan. Right. Sure. 
like a lot of the coaching gets done with scouting reports on hitters, scouting reports on pitchers, uh, uh, defensive alignments and how you're going to play this guy or that guy and when you're going to steal and all that stuff. But that's all done like kind of before the game. That's all, that's all done strategically before the game. And so in game, the job of a baseball manager is kind of great, right? Just like, just Just sit back and watch the damn game. Eat, yeah. uh, do what Tito does and wrap your chew in bubble gum for some fucking reason <laughs> and just lob that thing into your mouth and enjoy, <laughs> right? Like that's, that's kind yeah, of I was going to get tired. That double bubble's not soft. Hey, Karen Jack. <laughs> Karen Jack, uh, you sure ain't much of a dresser. We wear caps and <laughs> sleeves in this league, son. <laughs> hey, uh, nice catch. Don't ever fucking do it again. <laughs> Uh, let's talk about the guardians for a minute, actually, while we're just sitting here, uh, just kind of going over stuff. The guardians just kicked off uh, game number two with the Oakland A's and uh, the Cleveland guardians are five and one, uh, no, four and one, four and one, four and one, right? Four yeah. and one. Hello. Uh, they've played check back in and uh, four and one, but let's, let's talk about this guardians team. Let's, let's, let's start with last night's game. I don't know if you guys paid attention to last oh, night's yeah. game, but I watched every freaking second. I fell asleep about the fourth inning, but it was exciting. That's oh, fair. Yeah, this West Coast game. They're so late. Obviously, I I got the hour advantage. I got the Central Time, so it only yeah, ended at midnight for me still last night. Yeah, Ugh. but man, that game last night, right? The Guardians come out pretty hot. I think they went up two nothing. Yeah, uh, they were hitting the ball well, and Oakland just responded. Uh, Zach Plesac had Sorry. nothing. Zach Plesac had nothing going on last night. Yeah, yeah. He gives up six easy runs. Uh, it's six to two. And then, you know, it's that kind of stuff that we talked about when we did our preview. What kind of regressions is this team going to have? Where are they not going to be as good this year as they were last year? All that stuff. And one of the areas where they're answering really, they, they have three come from behind wins on the season yeah. already. Yeah. yeah. So one of the areas that they're showing you wasn't a fluke, but instead a trait, uh, just like a deep yeah. character trait of the team is yeah. that you, you could be up 10 nothing against the Guardians. You better not be comfortable. Right. Because they're going to play until the very last pitch. This team is going to play and come after you. And that's what they did last night. Six to two. Then they come mm-hmm. back. And then they start trading runs with Oakland. And before you know it, it's 10 to 10 or it's 10 to 8. And Class A just gives up a meat ball. Uh he he two quick outs, a walk and a home run. That sucks. I hate when that happens. Uh he's still awesome. But he gives up the game tying home run. They go in and score. <laughs> What'd you say? It's gonna happen. Yeah. Yeah. They score two runs in the top of the tent. They only give up one in the bottom. They win the game. Just the 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 never ending fight and resilience of the team is a is an ingrained trait with them. It's not something that I think is ever going to just not be there. It's that's you yeah. could tie that back to Terry Francona. That is awesome. Yeah. And so that win last night was phenomenal. Yeah, I mean that's the way. I mean that that's the way Tito loves to play. I mean, if Tito, even when he had, uh, you know, superstars like on the Red Sox, that's just the way their team play. I mean, obviously, but Poppy went out there and was smashing home runs. But you look at guys like, you know, uh, Dustin Pedroia. Yep. You know, you look at uh, I don't know. He had Trot Nixon too. Even the Indians had him at one point too. But like you look at, I mean, you look Trot. at. No, my guy, Para was even a little bit of a a, 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 a a scrappy guy. I mean, these are guys mm-hmm. that just. That just that they don't like to get out. They don't like to lose. Uh, I mean, they're gonna they're gonna make you work. They're gonna make pitchers work. 
so yeah, I mean, this is this is just indicative uh, of a Tito team. I mean, this team is young. This team is hungry. They're resilient. They 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 hate to lose. They hate it. They hate it so much. Uh, and so yeah, I mean, it's going to be another exciting season of Guardians baseball. By the way, uh, can we go back to the, yeah? I just I I love. I love the overreaction after the first game, by the way, because the Guardians just oh, shows you, just showed just you, just because these next three, the three, four games have really showed you what this Guardians team is. But uh, yeah, well, we can talk about that. You go tough, ahead, right? you go ahead and talk about that. No, it's tough, right, Joe? It's, yeah. it's, I, I've I've noticed myself doing this because the last time we saw the Guardians playing was the postseason, where every pitch, in in my opinion, baseball is the most stressful postseason. You can talk about which post season is your favorite which one's the best and all that in my opinion baseball is the most stressful postseason because every pitch feels like it just means everything right like you hold your breath with every damn pitch that happens every ball that gets put in play is just terrifying and awesome at the same time and so the last time we watched the guardians joe they're in the they're in the division series against the yankees fighting their asses off trying to beat the yankees they wound up losing but every pitch matters. And, and then you come back and it's opening day. And, and I found myself having to like take the line and like, oh, whoa, man, take a step back. They're going to lose a lot of games this year. Hopefully they win a whole lot more than they lose. Uh, but I don't have to react like it's a playoff series. I found yeah. myself doing that, Joe. Yeah, yeah. you just got to take away, uh, you know, you got to go back in the mindset of you're on the road. You got to win half. You got to split every series on the road. And they've already accomplished that on this this road trip right now um it's it's too long of a season to get caught up on one single game you gotta look at that first game bieber pitched phenomenally offense is slow but it's ace first ace that's how the first game of the season is every year you're gonna have a couple of those matchups going out throughout the year you're gonna face people's best pitching and you're gonna have no run one run games it's just that's gonna be part of it uh but you just gotta i don't know it's you don't you don't have a single playoff series except for the wild card game that's based off one game so you really gotta kind of take a little more holistic view when you're looking at this team, but I want to go back to the regression talk that we had last week Yeah, and how we might've identified a couple areas where there could be regression. I think the entire team has overperformed every area for these first four games of the season. I, I can't find one spot of regression that this team has had yet. Well, but I, Aside, you know, I, I do have one, but it's, it's a, more of a team thing. What's that? Uh, I think that uh, their swings and misses are not as clean as they were uh, last year. I think they're pretty undisciplined right now at the plate. Yeah. Uh, you can see that all the way up to Stephen Kwan on occasion, swinging at some pretty nasty. But now he'll still take you to six or seven pitches in the at bat. But I think there's a lot of a lot of people really reaching on some pitches here and, and getting fooled on on some some dirt pitches. Yeah, Josh Josh, uh, Josh Bell has. He's had a lot of bad swings. Ahmed Rosario has had some terrible. Yeah, swings. he's he's in his head right now. But I also think that's early. I think that's yeah. early season stuff. That's early yeah. season stuff. And 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 I think guys, let's talk about you know with the, with what you were talking about because listen, I think you're right, Joe. I don't think there's been. I, I we talked about areas of regression. I said this on Twitter yesterday, and then it, it turned out bad. But I don't think we spent a lot of time talking about areas where they're going to be better. Like watching Aaron Savali out there dominate the Seattle Mariners. Yep. You kind of forget that Aaron Savali is a really good pitcher. And yeah, he had, he just had injury last year. last year. And then, yeah. and again, the last time we saw Aaron Savali, he was getting blown up by the Yankees. Uh, and, and in a game though, where like, he probably shouldn't even been out there. 
so uh, Miles Straw has looked pretty darn good oh, so far. So good. He's so also hitting good. the he's also hitting the ball okay. Yeah. Right. He's like, doing what you need. Mike Zanino's out there. Mike Zanino's out there hitting the ball okay. Even Josh Bell. I talked about this yesterday. Josh Bell. Yeah, he's not hitting the ball real well right now. I think he has two hits on the season. But he also has like a hundred walks already, right? Like the guy's finding a way to be productive. He's like kind of that Carlos Santana mold where he's finding a way to be somewhat productive when he's not hitting the ball really well. Yeah. Uh, so I think there's areas, you know, we're sitting here talking about areas of regression. I think Andres Jimenez looks better. So like his swing looks ridiculous. I think Josh Naylor right now he looks, looks better. better. Yeah. I, I I don't think we accounted for the fact that some of these guys are young and can still get better. <laughs> you know, yeah. we're looking for areas of regression, but a guy like Andres Jimenez could just be better. Yeah, he just might get better, and that I don't think we talked a lot about that. That's all. That that should get you excited. That's exciting, and and you see, you know, players that are really going to come out this year. Like, well, Brennan's been playing phenomenally uh, in the two games. Yeah, keep that. that dude in the lineup. Oh my gosh, yeah, and it's a great yeah. challenge to Oscar Gonzalez, who's had some regression during the spring. Um, and, and so and to start the year, yep. And to start the year. So that's a great challenge to him in right field. Uh, you have just, you know, an absolutely solid infield, um, minus that one error by Emmett Rosario. Was that last night or two nights ago? Oh, yeah, it's fine. It, happened. it happened. It happens. Um, oh, yeah, the one where he threw the ball, but good. I like, how, I like how in any other stadium, that ball would have been about 30 rows deep in yeah. the stands. Yeah. Uh, but good Lord, the bullpen is just oh. insane. Oh. I mean, who's that Tim Heron fella? Tim. Heron. Yeah. Oh, he, he has Andrew Miller vibes written all over him. That slider he throws makes yeah. people look foolish. Yeah. Um, he's the guy that you, he's up against the lefty and you see the lefty turn out of the batter's box and then it's right down the middle. He's nasty. I love it. Uh, MLB debut four batters faced four. Yeah. Strikeouts. Uh, that's a pretty decent. That's debut. That's- Doesn't get much better than that. You know, if he keeps that up, he will strike out 100% of the batters he faces. Yes. <laughs> he's on, I, don't think he's he did, on, I don't think he did keep that up, but he did not. He did not last night. To never give up a hit. He's on he pace to never give up he a hit. He is on pace for that. Uh, uh, listen, the, the start to the season, though, boys, listen, just kind of in total, to go to Seattle, I, you know, it's not a coincidence that they got put, matched up with Seattle to start the year, right? Two of the younger teams in baseball, uh, the Guardians still the youngest team by far in over a year younger than the next closest youngest team in baseball. Yeah. Uh, so still far and away the youngest team in baseball, two teams that made the playoffs last year, two teams that are kind of the trendy up and coming next group of teams that people think are yeah. going to be really good. And to walk into Seattle and to take three of four after dropping, yeah. dropping the opener to take the next three games from the Mariners, a ridiculous lineup there with good pitching. Yeah. Uh, sure. That was that kind of felt like a it kind of felt after the fact like they were kind of and when you listen to him talk and you listen to Tito kind of felt like they were making a statement. They're like. Last year was not a fluke and Seattle's a good team and we're going to go in there and handle Mm -hmm. Seattle like, yeah, that is that got me that right there got me excited last night's game. It, it just, I, I couldn't be more excited about this. Yeah. I could I mean, not be more excited. They're, they're playing in October form right now. Like right. it's just, it's, you, we always talk about how slow some of Tito's teams are to start off the year. This, this is fast for a team. This is, is. Uh, reminiscence of what was the, was it the 20, 2007 or 2010 team 
that started out like 15 and five or something like that. 2007, they started really well. The year they yeah. went to the ALCS. Yeah. It's very reminiscent of that year. Um, <laughs> go on, Chad. No, no, no. Keep, keep going. I was, I'll just try it. <laughs> well, here's, I was going to say this. I was going to ask one last thing before we go to our next uh, thing we're going to talk about. Um, thoughts just real quickly. I want to hear your boys thoughts. We talked about it a little bit last night, but your thoughts on the, on the um, rule changes, pitch Love. clock, bigger bases, uh, no shift. Uh, the one that, uh, you know, I want to hear your thoughts in total, but the one that I was not prepared for it to be so impactful was the base size. I did not realize how impactful that was going to be for the game. How? Um, the, it is, it's what? Like, it's almost a, a whole damn foot that has been taken off in between the bases. So between the pitch clock, pitchers not being able to pay as much attention to base runners, and now a much shorter distance. You know, like, mm. again, it's baseball's a game of inches in a lot of ways. And so to, to knock off like nine inches between first and second and second and third base, that's a big difference. Yeah. You've had more stolen bases yeah. than you've ever had in baseball to this point. And, and it's like by far. Sure. Like, what was it? Through the first weekend of baseball, last year there were 22 total stolen bases in Major League Baseball through the first weekend. This year there were like 75. Right. It's crazy. And, and, and the, the, the success percentage was like – 60% success last year, and it's like 75% this year. So, again, I think the pitch clock factors into that, but also the bases are closer to each other in a game of inches. Uh, yeah. So, uh, I don't know, just kind of overall thoughts on pitch clock and base size and no shift and all that stuff. Uh, I'm fine with it. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 mean, I like – don't get me wrong. I like, especially for the West Coast games, I like that the games go a lot faster because I'll be able to watch more of the games, yeah. the West Coast games uh, now. Um, you know, the one thing that I, I'm very interested to see and very interested to see how it impacts, especially with the, you know, with the pitch clock is, is, is the postseason, you know, because I, I just, I, I almost wish they would probably get rid of it um, for, for the postseason. The only reason I say that is because it just, it, it, the postseason, it feels like it feels like the game shouldn't be rushed. It feels like those decisions are way more important in the postseason. It feels like a pitcher's routine, a batter's routine, is much more important in the postseason uh, than it would be yeah. in the regular season. But as far as you know, as far as this regular season goes, yeah, I, I, I like it. I mean, it's a, it's 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 a it's a eighty mile long marathon, right? I mean, so it, it wouldn't it wouldn't bug it's it's not going to bug me at all that these games are going faster. But you could see it. I mean, you've seen it. You've seen it affect the game. Here in the early going, guys getting guys getting called out, guys getting thrown out, or not thrown out, but you know, it's mostly affected the batters. I mean, guys striking out because of it. So it's, I you know, it's kind of, to me that's kind of lame. But it's like you, you, but it's a matter of these guys just adjusting to it because ball players. I mean, baseball is the most superstitious routine game yeah. of all the professional sports. So it's 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 going to be interesting to see how these hitters adjust to it. But from a fan standpoint. For the regular season, I love it. I just i I wish it would go away for the postseason, but we'll see. I disagree. I say keep it. I think this is the new routine. I think people are going to adapt to it. And you've you've never seen. I mean, this with the pitch clock combined with the shift, there is just as much, if not more, offense in every game so far this season. Generally, yeah. Uh, 
and half an hour less time to watch it. Like it's just like it's such a win-win for the fan. Uh, it's just you're getting more action, less time spent in commercials, and just watching people like, oh gosh, can you imagine Ryan Garko in this league just adjusting his gloves after every freaking pitch? <laughs> He'd be out. He just would never bat. He would just get, take the automatic strikeout and just go back to the plate. <laughs> yeah. No, you know, the other element to the pitch clock that I was not ready for, and, I, and I'm so excited, Joe, you and I, Joey and I are going to be at opening day Friday night, or Friday afternoon. Uh, again, if you're going to be at opening day, let's have a, let's have a ballpark beer together. Uh, let us know if you're going to be there. But uh, one element that I don't think I was fully prepared for was, and especially I've got to, you got to give a shout out to the Seattle fans. Oh, it got man. loud in there with the pitch clock when yeah. the Guardians were pitching. When the Guardians were pitching, those Seattle fans were just doing like the countdown and it made it tense, but it was like, that felt like a playoff game. And that, you know, the things that can just maybe get the fans a little bit more into the games and make the games a little more fun and raucous from a fan perspective and an in-stadium perspective, that's an element that I never thought of. Uh, But you could see it game one. It rattled the shit out of James Karen Yeah. Like he was absolutely rattled by that. And I, I love that element. Let's get the fans, something, fans, something to kind of get behind in these games. Yeah. Not going to hear that in Oakland this series, but uh, <laughs> there's one, there's one guy that's up in like, right. <laughs> yeah. Five. Four. <laughs> and you can hear him too, right, because there's nobody there. Oakland sucks. <laughs> Boys, I got two things uh, or a couple things that I want to do here. Uh, the next thing I want to do is go to our one of our newer favorite segments, our asshole of the week, uh, uh, and mm. just talk about who's been an asshole uh, this week. Then we're going to do kind of a, a lightning round of a couple things that I want to talk about. And then the last thing we're going to do, we're going to do kind of a special with, with the NFL draft coming up this month, which is wild to think about. We're going to do a special kind of Browns, uh, a Browns themed draft here on the Garage Beers podcast. And that's how we're going to close out the show. But before we get to that, let's do our Asshole of the Week segment. So again, the Asshole of the Week is a person or a group of people or whatever who has just been an asshole this week. And so, I don't know. Who wants to start? I'll go. Go ahead, Joe. Uh, Who's your asshole? My asshole is going to go to. Uh, nope, that's not what I want to say. Uh, <laughs> my my Who's asshole. Who's your league. asshole going to go to, Joe? <laughs> oh, Who wants man. it? Uh, man, you really got that out. Clip that. You really got to really figure out how to phrase that. Joey's it presenting his asshole anybody, to. Uh, man. I now present my asshole to you. The person who I view as the asshole of the week <laughs> is Anthony Rendon of the Los Angeles Angels Ooh, of Anaheim. That's a good uh, one. I think, was he in Oakland when he did this? Yeah. He was in Oakland and a fan was talking, talking smack to him. And he goes up to the fan as he was leaving towards the dugout and pulls the fans by the shirt to the rail it starts John at the fan. I think he took a swipe at him. I don't know if he made contact, uh, but you can't, you can't. I don't do think that. he made contact, but you can't do that. Come on, man. You can't do that. This is when you let a fan in Oakland get to you. How soft do you have to be? The angels are going to go 40 and, and 150 this year. It's not even possible, but they're going to find a way to do it. <laughs> and it's all Anthony Rendon's fault. Uh, and Shohei and Mike Trout will enjoy the beaches of Cancun come October 1st. I, 
there's this part of me, it's it's real big in the NBA right now, of players no longer putting up with some stuff from fans, right? Like when things get really over the line, you'll see players go up to the refs and be like, hey, get this dude out of here. And I'm okay with that. That's uh, okay. That's NFL, different. I think, so, well, but I think sometimes, uh, you know, it often seems to happen around like a guy like Kyrie Irving, and he's soft as as fuck, anyways. And so I don't know that it really is ever all that bad when it's Kyrie. But yeah, okay. Uh, just if you're a if you're a professional player, just just go just go in the dugout, right? Like just go, uh, just get it, especially in baseball where you're kind of shielded from it. Just yeah. like get into the dugout. You know, I, I can kind of see where basketball players maybe feel maybe they can let it get to them a little more because they're right there. Like we're talking about people that are on the court with you. Yeah. That's a little different. It, it, there's nowhere, for, nowhere for you to go to get away from it, but like, just, you just get into the dugout rundown. What are you grabbing a fan for? That's a great so, one. That's a great so one. Joe. All right, Chad, what about you? Who, who are you presenting your asshole to this week? <laughs> I'm a platter. <laughs> If I told you, I'd have to kill you. Uh, <laughs> uh, people who take up two parking spaces in the parking lot. Ooh. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's just, I mean, I, I, I don't even really have to explain that. It's just an asshole thing to do. Like you and your, no, you but and, I, I want to know who you're, here's what I want to know. I want to know who you're thinking about. Are you thinking about the person who is just a shitty Parker? Or are you thinking about the person who, like thinks they drive a really nice car, so they park on the middle line B. and take up two spots on B. purpose. B, that one, B. And it's usually not a nice car that's like worth taking up two spots. That's like not that like that cars aren't even around that, to keep cars away from you. It's like a ninety, like like oh my god, I I, I just souped up this ninety eight Civic. I have a Dodge Stratus because I'm gonna race it for a pink slip like Fast and the Furious. <laughs> Like, like I'm fucking Dom Toretto in my in my '99 Mitsubishi Eclipse with a spoiler on it. Yeah, like, yeah. Oh, it's amazing. I, I, I nobody can touch it, so I have to take up two spaces. No, you fucking jackass. Park like a normal human being. I love that. I love that one. I love that one. I, I you know what? I think some people are just shitty parkers. <laughs> yeah. And I try not to get too worked up about that. Sometimes people just suck at parking, and it is what it is. Oh well. But those people, the intentional. The intentional my car is too good to park next to your car yeah. situation. Oh, the, the thing with the shitty parkers is like literally still somewhat in the space. Like the, the, these douchebags clearly Ooh. like parking right on the yeah. line. <laughs> yeah. All right. We got some honorable mentions by Sean in the comments. How about the Memphis women's basketball player who punched the Bowling Green women's basketball player in the face in the handshake line? Uh, oh, I saw that video. That was wild. Why would you uh, do that? Uh, th this other one for me, Sean, is amazing. The umpire who in the spring training game, wasn't it? I think it was just spring training. Oh, yeah. Uh, but threw out JT Real Muto uh, for Philly because Real Muto put his glove back to get a new ball from the umpire, and the umpire, like, wasn't ready for it. And so it took the umpire a minute to get the ball, and Real Muto was like, oh, maybe he's not going to give me a ball, and he just wiped it like he swiped the glove out as the umpire was trying to give him the ball. And the umpire ejected him from the game for it. From a spring training game. Like, what a douchebag. <laughs> yeah. Like, what are you trying to do? What are you They're trying to do? They're in mid-season form already. Trying to do. Those are good uh, honorable mentions by Sean. Uh, my asshole of the week 
uh, it's gonna it's gonna kind of go back to Sean's initial uh, honorable mention. My asshole of the week. Um, I'm really really feeling that these people who are all offended by the LSU women's basketball team and taunting the Iowa team, uh, those are assholes. Uh, quit acting like your these sporting events have to display these utmost morals and ethics. And they're not allowed to talk shit and they're not allowed to talk trash and uh, blah, blah, blah. Quit doing that. Quit doing that. Who gives a shit? They just took down, they dominated that Iowa team. And I'm sorry, but Caitlin, what's her name? Caitlin Clark, right? Yeah. One of the best women's basketball, like one of the best seasons of women's basketball of all time. Yeah. I mean, an absolute stud. And we Caitlin got another Clark. one from her, of her next year. Yeah, Caitlin Clark is an absolute stud. Caitlin Clark, I don't care if you're one of those guys that just doesn't like to watch women's sports or whatever. Turn on an Iowa basketball game. Caitlin Clark is incredible. But you know what she does? She talks shit all the time. She is a, it's part of why you will love watching her. She is a shit talker to the extreme. All game, every game. Games that don't matter. I was playing ball state or whatever, and she's out there dominating and talking shit. And then LSU beats the living shit out of Iowa. And the LSU players are kind of doing the same taunts that Caitlin Clark, like she was doing the, you can't see me John Cena thing. And the LSU, I forget her name, but the, 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 the most outstanding player in the tournament gives her the, you can't see me and points at her finger. Like I got a ring. And now all of a sudden, all these people are like, Oh, that's classless. Oh, that's terrible. You got to win with some more class. Like. Yeah. Yeah, whatever. It's a little, it's a little, it's a little weird to me. It's a little weird to me that people didn't care. And you can be mad if I bring up the race card or not, but it's a little weird to me that people didn't care when Caitlin Clark was doing it to random schools. But then this girl from LSU was doing it. Now it's a problem. See, Now it's thuggish behavior. See the two things, the two Mm -hmm. things that like, I like kind of befuddled me, flabbergasted me, if you will, um, is they talked about disrespecting. Like I didn't, I didn't see what was what was so disrespectful. What did what did Caitlin do that was disrespectful? It wasn't that Caitlin did anything disrespectful. That's okay. just how she is. Who, who was talking about it being disrespectful? Well, that well, that's the thing. I it, it wasn't Angel Reese, but someone else. Like after the game, said, "Oh, when you should, when you be that disrespectful, Caitlin, you played a great game. But when you be that disrespectful, you 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 well, you did something. I, like I didn't, so I didn't, I don't was, know what she was talking about." Caitlin was talking shit to South Carolina players after Iowa beat South Carolina. And I guess the one girl was friends with the other girl and she just kind of took it. It's fine. It is what it is. Oh, yeah. Okay. okay. But that's, that's also dumb too. Don't be mad. And then Again. the other thing, but the, the my other question, my other befuddlement is like, was it a race issue or is it a gender issue? Because you see guys of different races and color do that all the time in different sports. Great point. And, and, and nobody, and you know, nobody says anything. So I, I, I don't know. I think like, it's both. Is it both? Yeah. Yeah, I think it's both. It just, it, it just uh, again, for me, for me, quit talking about class. Yeah. Quit talking about win with class. Quit talking about, quit talking about, uh, uh, you, you're supposed to play the right way. Just because you think it's the right way, Ted, doesn't mean it's the right way. Grow the fuck up. Let's get, we've talked about it many times on this podcast. Let's get more trash talk involved in sports. Let's get steroids back in baseball. Yeah, please. Let's, let's, let's get taunting back in sports. I want to see, I want to see 
Shane Bieber strike out Ramon Laureano right now and do a fucking backflip in the second inning. Like, I don't give a shit. I, I want to see, I want to see guys hit home runs and, and just fucking pimp walk their way down the line. I don't care. It makes it fun. Why, why, why do we take something like sports that just has the ultimate potential to be the most fun and act like it's got to be played this, this holy sacred. It's not church. It isn't church. It's sports. Yeah. And, and, and Pat Shea, great. Hey, Pat, it's good to see you by the way. Uh, Caitlin said it's a non-issue. She saw her talking shit. She said it's a non-issue. It's just, it's just this group of people that just is offended by trash talk and, uh, and showmanship. And I love, I'm here for it. I want trash talk. I want showmanship. I want to do it. So I just think those people are being assholes. That's my asshole of the week. All right. That's Ooh, Dan wise. Dan wise says, let's get someone taunting on the 18th green on Sunday. Yes. On the, at the masters Masters into the waste management. Uh, the way the waste management is great. Let's let's pull some of that into the master. Yeah, let's oh, do it. Man. Yeah. <laughs> oh God, could you imagine? Could you? The, they would kick you out if you did that at the Masters. They would. You wouldn't be allowed. Could you imagine? Yeah. You wouldn't be allowed back you, to that to that tournament. If you could you imagine the immense fury of the old overweight white man? <laughs> could you imagine? And that that's the exact place for them to be that way because the Masters is just so antiquated. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, I want to do a. Little lightning round. Those are our assholes of the week. Uh, and listen, chat username, I don't think agrees with me. Chat username wants to see sports, not thugs or anger disputes, just sports, but it's part of it, y'all. It's it, uh, chat, it's sports are sports are emotional. And it's I, something I, that these people put every ounce of their being into. There was nothing thuggish about that, though. There's there nothing was, thuggish about it. Anger and, disputes, sure, but there was nothing thuggish about it. Thank you. That's right. Anyways, uh, so now what I want to do is I want to do a little lightning round. We're going to finish with this Browns draft, but I want to do a little lightning round because there's other big things that have gone up. So let's talk real quick. Uh, We mentioned it at the beginning of the show. Uh, The Cavaliers beat the Orlando Magic tonight. They win their 50th game. Uh, They have uh, secured the four seed in the playoffs. They're going to play the New York Knicks in the first round of the playoffs. Uh, They got home advantage. Guys, um, So here we are with the Cavaliers. Last season, they got to the play-in tournament. They lost to the Nets and the Hawks and didn't make it into the playoffs. They go out and sign Donovan Mitchell. He is MVP caliber. Tonight, he had his fourth straight 40-point game. His fourth straight 40-point game. Um, And they didn't even play well. Uh, But they beat the Magic to get that 50th win. Uh, what is the barometer of success at this point? What is the barometer for for you where this Cavaliers season ends? Where is it? What has to happen for you to be like, man, that was that was great. That was great. That's that's a successful season. I don't have anything bad to say about it. I think I think you got to win one series. I think you got to go in. You got to beat the. And after that. I'm okay with whatever happens, but I think you do have to show, uh, show the next step and the next level of, of competitive postseason this year. Uh, they got a, a just a small taste in the playing tournament last year, um, but they need to go through. They need to win a series and make some noise in the playoffs 
uh, if they don't win the second series, I I don't think that's a loss in my eyes. I think that's great. This is an incredibly young team, an incredibly young core, uh, and and they they have the years to continue to grow together and learn from whatever happens this postseason. But a loss to the Knicks would be a disappointment in my eyes. Um, I I, I half agree with that. Uh, only because only because that it was, um, you know, you, you you sort of collapsed at the end of the season. I mean, and I I only mean sort of collapsed because you were you were in a playoff spot last year before you uh oh last kind of lost season. those yeah last season before you lost those last year I'm like what no 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 yeah 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 no last <laughs> okay. season before you learned, yeah. you know you lost those last few games you went on kind of a losing streak and you ended up in the play in tournament instead of in a playoff spot yeah. which was where you were at so I think this season you've already progressed. This season, you've already showed uh, improvement this season. But um, yeah, to call it a success. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you, Joe. I think, um, you know, I think you need to win one playoff series. I think it's really, really important uh, for guys like Darius Garland, Evan Mobley, guys who people are talking about that need to make that leap uh, to get this actual playoff experience. So, uh, yeah, I think I think, uh, yeah, at least you got to at least win one series is uh, is the barometer for success. I mean. This is a team that this is a team that, you know, I, I think I tweeted it out beforehand. This is a team that's now 50 and 30. And most of the expectations, most most of the uh, expectations on this team is no, they're, they're not a championship contender yet. And they're 50 and 30 and just locked up the fucking fourth seed. When this team reaches their full potential, it's going to be fucking scary, guys. Here's the, here's the thing, right? I, I kind of agree with you guys. I, I would. I won't have a damn – I won't be disappointed if they – as long as they win one playoff series and maybe they run into Milwaukee because I think that's the team they would run into in the second round. Yeah, if you go down to Milwaukee, if you, if you beat New York, you go down to Milwaukee and, and, and you, you play tough the whole way. But I also agree with Pat Shea here. Listen, the nine seed to the four seed is a good-ass step. And I know you brought in – I know you brought in uh, Donovan Mitchell, but you also lost guys that were valuable – in that trade, like, right. Like, like Larry marketing was good for them last year. And you, and you traded away Colin. Sexton, and, and neither one of those guys is as good as Donovan Mitchell. And so obviously your return is great, but to jump from the nine seed to the four seed is great. That's a great step with room for improvement, right? One of the best home teams in the NBA, but like not great. I, I think they're trying to finish pretty much 500 on the road. Yeah. Uh, can they get there? I don't know if they can get there. Uh, they got one more road game. They play in uh, Orlando again Thursday night. Uh, but that's a good step. Uh, New York scares me a little bit in that they are bucket fillers, right? New York is just filled with guys that can just make shots. Like that 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 game they played last weekend against the Knicks. Knicks just made all their shots. Uh, but I think the Cavs should be favored in that series, and they should win that series. And then if they do, Momentum moving forwards at the same time, guys. Because I want to talk about a couple other things at the same time. It wouldn't surprise me in the slightest for the Cavs to win a couple of series. Sure, they are there. They're good enough. They they still need a little roster revamp. I think the bench needs a little revamp. You need more shooters on this team to really compete. I think, but like this team could make a run too. What's Kyle right? Korver doing? What's Kyle Korver doing? He's the assistant general manager of the Atlanta Hawks. Nice. Is he really? Bring him out I of retirement. Just, yep. I just don't want to rule out that the Cavs could make a run in this playoffs. That, that, that's sure. not ruled out. 
So, what's big? What's no, big but Shot that's Bob doing. Do we know what Big Shot Bob is up to? Big Shot Bob, Robert Ory. He is <laughs> on his way back. Uh, all right. Uh, so we've talked about a whole lot of stuff. I want to talk about one more thing before we go into our little draft, and then we'll get out of here. Uh, Chad, Joe, I don't think you give a shit about this, so I'm sorry to do this to you. But Chad, uh, and I don't care if you guys uh, give a shit about it, because we do. It was great. It was a great weekend this last weekend. Yeah. Because it was WrestleMania. Oh, yeah, zero shits. (laughs) (laughs) I had a feeling that's where this is going. Well, come on. It's WrestleMania. It's an infield single. Listen. Listen, I I don't watch wrestling a whole lot anymore, but I'll tell you something. I never miss a Royal Rumble or a WrestleMania. So this was a huge weekend. It was awesome. Yeah. I I don't really have a lot. I don't want to talk about it because I don't know. I Every once in a while, we'll catch a wrestler on here and we'll talk about, we'll talk about uh, wrestling. Uh, but uh, it's incredible what they do. Yeah. Like, like it's incredible. Sure. 80,000 people a night. Sure. 80,000 people just, you know, I, I, I was watching it and I'm looking at the crowd. 80,000 people just packed to the gills yeah. in SoFi stadium. Like if, if you think that wrestling isn't still just, it, it, it may not be something that a lot of people watch on a weekly basis, which I mean, a lot of people do. But like they throw out a WrestleMania and 80,000 people a night are showing up. That is wild. Yeah. That's wild. I mean, it's still WrestleMania. No matter where, no matter where, no matter how good the product is, how bad it is, they're still going to fill whatever stadium they go to for WrestleMania because it's just the pinnacle of everything they do for the entire year. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, Again, I don't want to go too deep into it, but like just a blast to watch. And I will say, I thought night one was better than night two, but, uh, for sure. I, but, but, you know, I mean, night, I mean, not that, not that night two was bad, but I just, I thought night one was, was better than night two. That's, that's really where I'm at with that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, and I will also say if you've not listen next time, wherever you live, uh, if the WWE comes to town, just buy tickets and go. And I promise you, you will have the greatest night of your life. Listen, I've been at those events and, 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 and yeah, I, I've worked those events and seen uh, what it's like from them building the entire stage to build to, 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 to the show production to I've been on headset when the director calls the show. I, it, I tell you what, that, that thing is a machine. They have it down to a T and it's just, it's incredible to watch. Well, I it, recommend going and getting some arena beers. Yeah. And just sitting there and watching it. It's a blast. Uh, last thing real quick, uh, Connecticut. Wins the national title last night. Yeah. Does anybody like that? Might have been the wildest March Madness of all time. Yeah, I yeah. I had Connecticut uh, as my national champion. Yeah, I did. Uh, mainly because uh, Reese Davis on an interview was like, "I have Connecticut in the national championship game because they haven't played uh, up to their potential the entire year." So I was like, "Well, good enough for me." So I put UConn as my national champion. And uh, huh? You did not. I swear to God. I swear to God. Yeah, UConn was my national no champion. No way. I did. That's it. I don't get me wrong, but the whole rest of my bracket was totally fucked. I just, uh, I. It was a wild NCAA yeah. tournament, but it was also 
Like once it once we got to a certain point, it was kind of like, uh, uh. like I don't know. It just wasn't. I think the women's tournament was better. I I had, I got more entertainment watching the women's tournament than I did that national championship game last night. One of the most boring basketball games I've ever watched. Yeah, but but the just thing, been I mean, absolutely dominating every single game they've been. Like it's not even close. Watching but. San Diego State miss two hundred shots in a row is not my idea of a good time, right? Like just. <laughs> It dude, but up, dude, but up until awful. that national championship game, though, up until that national championship game, this was one of the most fun tournaments I can remember in a long time. Yeah, I just, I mean, and I would expect bad. more with the NIL now and everything, and transfer portals, and 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 guys going to different locations. I'm, I, I, I would fully expect more wacky tournaments like this going forward. Oh, they'll wacky. be wacky. They'll be wacky. Yeah, you won't. You're not tobacco. All right, boys. Uh, listen, last thing we want to do, uh, we promise you we talk a little bit about the Browns. And so we're going to have a little bit of fun. We're going to do a draft. Uh, and we're going to do it five rounds. It's going to be a snake draft. The order is me, Joey, Chad, uh, is the order we came up with or I came up with before the show. Uh, and so here's what we agreed to do. With the NFL draft coming up at the end of April and the Cleveland Browns having uh, late round draft picks, we wanted to look back at this iteration of the Browns from 1999 until today. And what I wanted to do is I wanted to do a snake draft where we are going to take, we're going to go five rounds, 15 total players. And we're going to draft our favorite or the best players that the Browns have drafted since 1999. Now, again, just the best rule players. of this, the, uh, it could be your favorite players. It could okay. be the best players. Uh, but the rule of the draft is that the Browns have, have to have drafted them. So these aren't players, you know, you can't take like Deshaun Watson. You can't, you can't take uh, Amari Cooper. You got to take players that Browns have drafted since 1999. Easy. And then we'll see. We'll see. We'll see where we all go. So. Again, the order is me. What was it? Me, Chad, Joey. Is that what I just read? Yeah. No, I'm saying no. Me, Joey, Chad. Yep. Sorry. So it's me, Joey, Chad. It'll go in snake formation, and we're not trying to fill anything. It's just your five best, Great. your five favorite best players. Oh, Surge, Super Surge. You were at the Cavs game in Orlando. No. Yeah. All right. Go Cavs. Fiftieth win. Shout out to Super Surge. Uh, all right. So it's me. I've got the number one pick. The number one pick is obvious. The number one pick, uh, it, it, it couldn't be anybody but this guy. As I look through all the Cleveland Browns draft picks since 1999, there is only one guy that is number one pick material, and his name is Joe Thomas, and he is the first pick in this draft. All right. And, and I don't really have much else to say about that. <laughs> totally yeah. disagree. Yeah, yeah, I bet you do. <laughs> So Joe uh, Thomas off the board first. I'll pick the next Hall of Famer off that list, Miles Garrett. Oh, all right. I think that's a that's a pretty big no-brainer. Yeah, I, I'm interested. I'm interested to see as the comments roll in, uh, as we start talking about uh the Browns. Um, uh, I'm interested to see if people are ready to say Miles Garrett is that next guy. I agree with you though. Ain't gonna be Cody Kessler. <laughs> okay, don't tip <laughs> wow. picks. You know, what's crazy? you know what's crazy is after those 
after those first two, it, it, it's it's a huge drop off. <laughs> a huge drop off <laughs> after that. <laughs> so it's uh, cool, I guess. So Chad, you got two picks in a row, dude. God damn it! All right. Uh, I mean, even though he was a, even though he's a psycho uh, in his personal life. I, oh, you are with, not doing this. I'm going to go with Kellen Winslow Jr. <laughs> oh, no. yeah. Listen, listen, yeah. listen, psycho, total psycho. Okay. What? But, but, but as, a, as, as a player, I <laughs> love that guy. I, I mean, it didn't matter whether there was two, three, four guys on him. That guy always came down with wow. the Wow. No matter what. Okay. No matter what. My second, All right, so Kellen Winslow, a first round pick, and my second guy's Nick Chubb. My second guy's Nick Chubb. Of course, well, that's of course, cool. I'm going to go with Nick Chubb. Damn. So, because he was a second round pick, so I'm gonna I I'm gonna take believe, him in the second round too. I can't believe you just picked the guy that's accused of like sexually assaulting grandmas. Well, listen, I, I opened it with Jake the Snake, so it doesn't get Jake much. The, <laughs> <laughs> the whole show comes full circle. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, I mean, Nick take Chubb. his personal, take his, take his life away from football out of it. Kellen Winslow was a hell of a football player for this team. Interesting though, the first round for us, we go three first round draft picks, uh, and then uh, <laughs> Super Surge says Kellen Winslow is the only NFL player in history to get reached for in two first rounds. <laughs> Nailed it. Uh, Wait, we only moved up one spot for him, right? <laughs> Nick Chubb, that, yeah, obvious choice there. Obvious choice. Yeah. All right, Joe. Uh, I feel like now is, like, now after Nick Chubb is where we get into, like, the the questionable side of things. Uh, or I guess the field just opens up a little more from, like, average players. Uh, I'm going to go uh, Joe Hayden, the retired oh. Brown, Joe Hayden, for my second pick. And strictly because he spent, what, six, five, six years in Pittsburgh? And still chose to retire as a Brown, right? Uh, I, that that kind of put him up on that pedestal for me. He was a studly player too, though. He's like Joe, Joe, oh, Joe, yeah. Joe was a stud. Yeah, uh, you could talk about fall offs or comebacks or whatever. Joe was a stud. Joe was a stud. And Joe beat a lot of things. Joe is one of those guys that that proves my point a lot of times in that measurables don't always tell you how a player is going to be. Yeah, hundred percent. Joe didn't have the best measurables out there, but he was a dude was a dog. Like if you want to talk about the dog pound, Joe was a dog. Yep. So I like that pick. I like, I remember when the news came in that we released him and I was just like devastated. Cause I, I, that was when I didn't really understand like why would we release like one of our star players, but now I get salary cap and all that stuff. Uh, I was just like (laughs) devastated. I was like, what are you guys doing? (laughs) But I, yeah, it makes sense. I am going to go with another hall of famer. Uh, I'm going to go with a first ballot Hall of Famer. I'm going to go with one of the great Browns since 1999. I'm going to go with one of the best players you've ever watched play for the Cleveland Browns. I'm going to go with a guy that we are desperately trying to get on this podcast. I'm going to go with Joel Batonio. Yeah. Uh, Joel is one of my favorites in a lot of ways. He kind of goes along with the Joe Thomas mode that he's kind of a goofy dude. He's very funny. Like, He's always down to do stupid shit, right? They send him out to the Pro Bowl, and he's doing the punt return thing just for fun, but then he's good at it. Like, Joel Batonio is naturally good at everything he does. I love Joel Batonio for that, right? Whether it's on the offensive line where he's the best left guard in football year in and year out, or whether 
the whole team goes down with COVID and he's got to step over to left tackle. And that week he's graded as the best left tackle in football. Uh, whether he's catching punts or doing commercials or being fun. Joel Batonio, uh, one of my all-time favorite Browns. So I'm taking him. So I'm going heavy offensive line, heavy offensive line. Heavy offensive so line. I got to even that out. I got to even that out. And I got to go with my favorite wide receiver that the Cleveland Browns have ever drafted. By far, by far my favorite wide receiver that the Browns have ever drafted. This wide receiver caught the touchdown pass that won the Cleveland Browns their first ever game since coming back in 1999. Wow. One of the most solid dudes, one of the most solid wide receivers, one of the most underrated wide receivers. Dave Wallabra. <laughs> yeah, one of the most, don't tip picks. One of the most underrated wide receivers, Kevin Johnson. Uh, that dude was so good and nobody will ever really know how good he was because he played for those Browns teams that were so bad. Kevin Johnson was a stud. I loved Kevin Johnson. He was, he was everything you wanted in a wide receiver. Love that pick. Now you got to make, I mean, you know, you got to make a defensive pick with your next picks now too, right? I mean, come on. I don't, I don't have to make any picks. I don't want to make. All you, right. You, you dick. My you big dick. Fuck you. <laughs> I'm going to. All right. So here we're here's where we're at so far. I've got Joe Thomas, Joel Batonio, Kevin Johnson. Joe, you're on to your third pick. You got Miles Garrett and Joe Hayden. And yep. Chad's got Ellen Winslow <laughs> and uh Nick Chubb. So Joe, who is your third round pick? Uh you didn't have to pick Kelly. You could have picked Nick Chubb first. You know that, Chad. I know. I was gonna pick I w- it was gonna be one of the two. It's fine. Right. Nick Chubb was a second round pick. That's why I went with him as second uh, round. All right, all right, all right. You made the wrong choice. Uh, I'm going with uh, Jeremiah Wusukormema for my third pick. You can't deny Kellen Winslow wasn't a great football player for this Browns team. Just give me shit. He was for a few years. Uh, the, the, long, the longevity I don't like. He wasn't great for enough years, but it, it is what it is. Anyways, go ahead. Uh, JOK, that's, that's a bit surprising. JOK. I think he is he is like the piece of this defense I'm most excited to see. Uh, this next year, he's just electric. He's always around the ball, always crashing in on the runner. He's just always, he's just exactly what you want out of a linebacker. And like, I just love how aggressive he plays. And I don't know. I, I, I think, you know, with how we've seen this defense over the past couple of years, like so many guys just look freaking lost out there. And so all oh, the balls <laughs> over the head, uh, sorry, I watched the baseball at the same time. And so it's just, I'd love that you would just have a ball hawking linebacker that's just like always around it, always aggressive. And that is just fun. I like, I like guys that play hard. No, that's fair. That's fair. All right. JOK. Uh, did I go over his head? Yeah, it did. Oh, yeah. All right, Oscar. Sorry, what I'm the, behind you. All right. So JOK gets taken by Joe. Chad, you got back to back picks. Okay, the fellas. Helen Winslow and his grandma. These next two picks. I'm going to make our guys correct who I sincerely thought who I sincerely think if they didn't have any issues that they would have been great. They would have been absolutely Mm. incredible Browns. Okay. Okay. They were two of my favorite guys based on ability alone. The first one I'm going to take, if he could have just stayed healthy, I think he would have been worth every bit, every bit the number two pick that he was Courtney Brown. I, I thought he would right. have been. I, huh? 
Go ahead. I was I was talking over you. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I think he would have been every bit the dominant force that he that he was at Penn State. And and I really I felt bad for him. I I I I did because he just couldn't stay healthy at all. But I I mean he was he, he I was so I remember being so excited about him because you know everything about his his college football team, everything about him coming out of Penn State just screamed that dominant edge rusher that this Browns team needed. And if he just could have stayed on the field, I truly, truly believe he would have been that guy. So Courtney could not, Brown, my third round pick. Could not agree with you more. Could not agree with you more. I will die on that hill. Yeah. I will die on that hill that Courtney Brown was a way better player than anybody will ever remember him being. Uh, and the yeah. injuries just ate him up. I, I remember Courtney Brown played some games where he was dominant. Yeah. Dominant. Yeah. And the injury, he just couldn't stay healthy. So I love that pick. I love that pick. All right. So you got Courtney Brown. Now you're on to your fourth round pick. Uh, Josh Gordon, if he could lay off the pot. <laughs> uh, well, are we counting that? Yeah, I guess that counts, right? Did we draft a supplemental draft pick. He supplemental, supplemental draft. draft. Yeah, yeah, that counts. Sure. Okay. Is that me? Josh Gordon. Uh, Josh Gordon. Just a little, little, little talking points. Josh Gordon. Um, the best wide receiver the Browns have ever drafted. Ever drafted. Town talent, right? Would have gone down as, in my opinion, A, in a more modern league where they didn't give a shit about weed as much as they did back in the day, yeah. uh, would have gone down as the best player to ever, to yeah. best wide receiver to ever play for the Browns. Think yes. of Greg Robinson's potential. <laughs> <laughs> so much weed. That's my favorite. That's my favorite one to bring up. Yeah. Do we draft Greg Robinson? Hang on. Do we draft him? Uh, I don't remember. But, yeah, listen, uh, that sucks the way everything went down with uh, with uh, Josh Gordon. But, man, he was special. That he year, was. what was it, like 1,700 yards with yeah. Brandon Whedon lobbing the ball out to him? Yeah. It was special. So, yeah. I like that pick. I like that pick a lot. All right. Go on, Joe. Your fourth round pick. Uh, I'm going to go with just another fun player that I liked watching play. He might not have been the best player we had, but man, was he fast. I love Travis Benjamin. Ooh, the, dude, wow. the dude could fly. He was he was the fastest guy in the league for like three or four years. He was like the guy that we were looking for this offseason to stretch the field. Uh, That's fair. I just liked him. He was good. He was when I was really starting to watch the Browns and, and get into football. And he was always fun one to watch. Okay. All right. So hold on. Let's go. Benjamin. Sorry, I got to write down what's going on here. Um, So I already know who my fifth round pick is, and I am going to go defense. I'm going to go, I'm going to go two defensive picks. Uh, I'm going to go with a player that I, I, I want more people to remember. I'm going to go with a fifth round draft pick that wound up being an impact player uh, for the Browns. This was back in 2002. Uh, They took a middle linebacker in 2002 in the fifth round. Andre Davis. Yo, Andre Davis. Andre Davis was a stud for this team. Andre, Remember when they had Andre Davis and Andre Davis? They had the wide receiver, Andre with an E. Andra Davis. Yep. Uh, Andre Davis, Andra Davis, as yeah. Arias just goes yard in Oakland. Smashed. Dead center. Uh, Boom. Andre Davis, the linebacker, was a stud. 
uh, in 2002 when the team sucked. But I really liked him. So Andre Davis, and then I'm going to wrap it around. I'm going to keep it on defense. I'm going to go with a guy that I think uh, outside of Joe Hayden and until they got into this era of cornerbacks was the best cornerback the Browns have ever drafted uh, since 99. A guy that was insane early in his career, uh, didn't last terribly long in Cleveland, went and had a good career. I think he played in Dallas for a minute. But uh, Anthony Henry, man. I knew it. I knew Anthony it. Henry was a stud. I don't know if you guys remember watching Anthony Henry as like a rookie second year player. Anthony Henry was like an interception machine. You did not want to throw at Anthony Henry. That dude was a stud. And so I'm happy to have him with my last pick in the draft. All right. All right, Joe, back to you. You look like you're looking up old Browns rosters. (laughs) I was going to say, no, I am looking at the draft picks. Just make sure someone else is going to stop. I was going to say Barkiwi's me. That'd be kind of a funny one, but uh, no. Um, I think we got to do it. Somebody's got to do it. I'll do it. Baker Mayfield. Give me the big show. Give me the big show. Help deliver the Browns first playoff win uh, in a very, very, very long time. I think you got to give respect I, on that. Didn't end well. That's okay. We enjoyed him for a couple seasons here, a couple bad seasons. Overall, at the time, that's what the team needed was Baker Mayfield, and that's what was available to us. I think – all the Browns like feelings on Baker are just going to soften as the years go on. I think. Oh yeah. Uh, it got a little harsh there, uh, but yeah, I think he deserves, he deserves that. Agreed. credit. He deserves that yeah. credit. He deserves both. He deserves the harshness. He deserves a credit. Yeah, I agree. All right. So you wrap it up with Baker and Chad, you got Mr. Irrelevant in this draft. Who are you going to make? <laughs> Who are you presenting your asshole to? <laughs> <laughs> All right. This next man. Can you talk into your microphone? This next man. Today, 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 today. I'm going to draft, 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 draft. He was taken in the expansion draft. Mm. The Browns back in 1999. Place kicker number four, Phil Dawson. Hey, hey, I love that pick. That's my guy, Mr. Reliable. He was money. Anywhere inside 50 yards. I'm going to allow it. I Part of me doesn't want to allow it because Phil Dawson was not really drafted by the Browns. He was drafted in the expansion draft. It's a draft. You said draft. That's I, that, but I'm going to allow it. I'm going to allow it. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. 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 You didn't, you didn't, you didn't do the draft rules. Okay. <laughs> You're right. You're right. And, and technically that was a draft. So that should be allowed. Yeah. That's a great pick. Yes. Thank you. That's a great pick. All right. So let's run it down. Team Chad. For some fucking reason, first round, Kellen Winslow. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then Nick Chubb. Beautiful. Courtney Brown. To perfect. Josh Gordon. Winner. And Phil Dawson. I win. I totally win. Five guys that seem like they would all want to hang out with each other. Yeah. Yeah. It feels kind of the wild card. Right? Nick Chubb, well, Nick Chubb would be the guy sitting Kellen. at the bar table. Nick Chubb would be the guy sitting at the bar table, like rolling his eyes at like the the, the shenanigans Kellen's yeah. getting into. No, Nick, Nick and Phil Kellen's would be the DDs. Kellen's not going to be there. Kellen's in prison. Uh, Joey, Miles Garrett, Joe Hayden, JOK, Travis Benjamin, Baker Mayfield. Interesting. That's it. It's interesting, Joe. You've it's got interesting. an interesting lineup there. Thanks. And then me, Joe Thomas, Joel Batonio, Kevin Johnson, 
Andre Davis, Andra Davis, mm-hmm. linebacker, and Anthony Henry. So I wanted to throw out a couple uh, honorable mentions, uh, guys that I thought could have been picked, uh, Alex Mack and Mitchell Schwartz. Sure. Uh, Alex Mack was awesome here. Mitchell Schwartz took him a minute to get going here. Remember, we all thought Mitchell Schwartz sucked. Yeah. And then he got good like his last year here, and then he went to Kansas City, and he was really good right. for a long time. Right. Uh, Gerard Big Money Warren. Uh, the 19 I, I want to read off real quick. The was 19- he an honorable I, mention, though? Wasn't he a bust here? Who? Gerard Warren. Yeah, he was he was okay. I think they gave up on him too. Early. I remember being so pissed off that they took him third overall. Uh-huh. <laughs> I remember being so mad. <laughs> uh, Tim Cow, look at. I want to go back to the '99 draft though. That's a guy I will die on that hill. He was a much better quarterback than anybody Tim gave Couch. him credit for. Oh, a thousand percent. Tim Couch, Dalen McCutcheon got drafted in the third round. He played real. He had a great career. Yeah. Uh, Wally Rainier. Was a really good linebacker. Jameer Miller and Wally Rainier were good linebackers for this team yeah. uh, in '99 and and beyond. Darren Cheverini was kind of productive for a fifth round, uh, weird, non athletic looking wide receiver. TJ Ward. Uh, well, hold on. I'm getting there. Okay. I'm getting there. I'm going. I'm just going through. Right. Dennis Northcutt in 2000. Yeah, uh, was very productive uh, for the Cleveland Browns. Aaron Shea was in that draft. Nobody else really. I mean, shout out Spurgeon win. Terry uh, Suggs. We drafted uh, Anthony Henry, Gerard Warren. We talked about Ben Gay. Nobody else really. Uh, did we draft Ben Gay? No, I think he's a UDFA. William Green deserves a shout out. 2002. Ah. Andre Davis, uh, the wide receiver. Andre Davis, the linebacker. Both happened in that draft. Nobody else really in that draft. Uh, man, the 2003 draft sucked real bad, except for Ryan Pontbriand, who was awesome. 2004 was Kellen Winslow and fucking nobody. That was a bad draft. 2004 was a really bad fucking draft. 2005, you got Braylon Edwards, Brodney Poole. Uh, yeah, and everybody else sucked. It just, it's amazing how many picks they didn't hit on. Yeah, yeah. One of my least favorite players of all time, although he's a good guy, Dequel Jackson. I just hated that everybody thought he was awesome because he had uh, 150 tackles every year, but they were always 12 yards down the field. Franchise leader in downfield tackles. Yeah, downfield tackles. Uh, Jerome Harrison, uh, the best flash in the pan running back that you can imagine. Jerome Harrison happened (laughs) in 05. God bless you, Jerome. Did he sneeze? Well, no, didn't he, go, didn't, he, didn't he have to like retire from football because of some disease? Yeah. Uh, obviously, uh, Brady Quinn has to get shouted out. How Why? about how about, Why? The, how about the 2008 draft? Bo Bell, Martin Why? Rucker, Paul Hubbard, Alex Hall. Who the fuck are these guys? Why does Brady the Quinn have to get a drafted? shout out? Like because of his hair? I'm just I'm oh, joking. Okay. <laughs> because right. he's, he's very cute. All right. Uh, the top of Ruben is a name that you don't think about a lot. But he was, he was a good player. He yeah. was solid. Uh, man, that 2009 draft is makes you want to just die. Alex Mack, great. And then they go after Rubisky and Massaqua, David Vicune in the second round. Those were their second round picks. They could have gotten so much better. Uh, TJ Ward deserves a shout out. Anybody else that's jumping out to you guys that I haven't said? Owen uh, Marisic. Uh, Buster Screen? Oh, definitely Buster. Owen Marisic. Definitely Owen Marisic. 
Oh God, they were so bad. Well, here's Emmanuel Acho, who's made a name for himself outside of sports. Yeah. Uh, Armani Bryant. God, these drafts were so bad. 2013. That's an all-time bad draft. All-time bad. Barkevius Mingo, Leon McFadden, Jamoris Slaughter, Armani Bryant, and Garrett Gilkey. Ooh, Justin Gilbert next year. Gilbert Manziel. Gilbert was a train wreck. Pierre Desir. Oh, my God. Yeah, all right. I can't do this anymore. Don't don't Uh, do it to yourself. I can't do it anymore. Man, there's just so many bad picks. But the good news is, as the years have gone on, the picks have gotten better. So you've heard our draft. Oh, really? Have they? Have they? Danny Shelton, Cam Irving, Nate Orchard. I mean, Danny Shelton wound up having a good career. Here in Cleveland, he loved to be the last guy on a pile. Yeah. (laughs) Ooh, I thought Nate Orchard was going to turn. Cam Irving sucked here, but went on to win a Super Bowl. That's cool. I thought Nate Orchard was going to go on to, like, kind of be something, and he he didn't. Uh, Listen, those you got our teams. We drafted the best players. Again, for me, it's Thomas Batonio, uh, Kevin Johnson, Andra Davis, and Anthony Henry. For Joey, it's Miles Garrett, Joe Hayden, JOK, Travis Benjamin, and Baker Mayfield. And for Chad, it's Kellen Winslow, uh, Nick Chubb, uh, Courtney Brown, Josh Gordon, and Phil Dawson. I think it was good. What about Scooby Wright the third? Who? Scooby Wright the third. Uh, Well, the all-time greatest, Brown. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Guys, I think that's going to do it. Uh, We are going to get into our last segment before we get out of here. Let's end it on a positive note. Mm. As, again, we get ready for the Cleveland Browns to – Get into the NFL draft. We'll see what they can do. They don't have a first round or a second round pick. But again, your home for Cleveland Browns draft coverage is right here on the OBR. Let's get out of here with our three cheers of the week where we uh, just call out anything that deserves positive praise. And so I will lead us off. I'll lead us off with three cheers of the week. And this isn't really timely, I don't think. I don't think there's a anything he necessarily has done this week that I'm like, Oh, he's got to get, get the chair this week, except for he does something like every day that brings just a smile to my face. I'm going to give a shout out to Rex Chapman on Twitter, Rex Chapman, a ho-hum basketball player in the NBA for a lot of years who has just made this Twitter personality for himself. And he's got one of the biggest followings on Twitter. Everybody seems to follow this dude. And he just like puts out like weird, funny, interesting content all the time. He can be a little political. I know that might not be your thing. But he also is just going to put out video. Like today, he put out a video of a dude that was like sitting on the tailgate of a truck. And then another car at like 50 miles an hour smashed into that truck. And it just displaced the guy. And he just kind of sat onto the ground and he didn't get hurt at all. He was like. This has got to be the luckiest guy of all time. And I can't not watch the video. Like when Rex Chapman puts something up, I'm watching it. So my shout out goes to Rex Chapman, who has made himself more relevant in 2023 than he ever was as a basketball player. That is wild what he has done for himself. So shout out Rex Chapman. Nice. What about you, Chad? Who's your cheer this week? Uh, I've got two cheers. Um my first year goes to uh, Michael Mann. Michael Mann, uh, for those that don't, uh, nobody knows, uh, was the director of Heat, an all-time great cop movie back in the mid-90s, starring oh, yeah. Robert De Niro and Al Pacino. Uh, they're going to be making Heat too. 
they uh, Heat 2. Yeah, so. one of my favorite uh, comedy movies of all time. They're making Heat 2. Adam Driver is going to star as a young Robert De Niro. Um, and it's basically a prequel to what happened in Heat. So uh, there's that. And my second cheer goes to my alma mater. The Ashland University women's Ashland, basketball team, go, Division Two national champs. They build themselves. That was sweet. They built themselves quite a dynasty over there, man. Now they now have uh, three national championships in Division Two, just two off the uh, record for Division Two schools. So you know, back when I was in school, the women's basketball program they were decent, but not good. But now they've built themselves into basically the standard in Division Two basketball. So go Eagles, baby! That's awesome. That's awesome. Shout out to Ashland. Uh, all right, Joe, what about you? Who's your cheer of the week this week? Pretty lackluster. I'm cheering the return of baseball. Uh, also on MLB at bats, instead of commercials, they started playing this like Zen moment of baseball where it's just yes. like ASMR people playing, or like literally like an, or any MLB teams playing catch or like, you know, just like chatter and like a bullpen, like very like indistinct chatter. And it's just, it's so nice in between the game because the games are intense now. They're so quick, there's action. Just like a nice little reset moment. I like that. But I'm so glad baseball's back. That's all I've been doing. I just watch baseball now. I do. You just made me think of one last cheers. I want to cheers a friend of our show, a guy that we we got to have him back on, uh, and he'll come on with us. Uh, a guy that we want to get into the world of beers. He said he wants to do it, and we just haven't done it yet. Uh, but I want to send a, a cheers out to Ricky Smith, Riconia, uh, on Twitter. Uh, uh, we had him on, oh, man, last about a year and a half ago. Oh, I have one more cheers, too. Uh, but Ricky Smith, if you're not following him, go follow him. He He's awesome. He does all kinds of, like, uh, positive things for the community. But he's also just an outstanding comedian. And his goal this year is to go to every Major League Baseball stadium. And so he followed the Guardians out to Seattle. He's out in Oakland right now. And I think he's just going to kind of follow the Guardians around this year. So uh, go follow him online at Riconia. But uh, a lot of fun stuff going on with Ricky Smith. Cheers to him. And I got one more, but go ahead, Chad. And from Oakland, he's going to Orlando. He's going to be in Orlando for the Cavs game tomorrow yeah. <laughs> or Thursday. Yeah. Uh, last year, I want to give is to you guys. Uh, it's April 4th, 2023, dudes. Our episode one of the Garage Beers podcast was released. It was recorded on April 1st, 2020. It was released April 2nd, 2020. And we've been doing this for three years, boys. Wow. Three right. years, 159 episodes, a whole bunch of TikToks that like several dozen people watch, uh, a whole bunch of online interactions and new friends. And uh, I got to tell you, this is uh, one of my favorite things I've ever done in my entire life is this show with you guys. Uh, yeah. I look forward to this. From the minute we will end tonight, I'm going to be thinking about what we're going to do next week. It yes. is my thing I look forward to every single week. It is one of the, outside of my wife and my kids and my family, it is literally one of the great joys of my life, and we've been doing it for three years. And so I just love you guys. So cheers goes to you guys, uh, and cheers goes to us on Garage Beers. Three years, boys. Three years. Yeah. Cheers. Cheers, brother. It's pretty wild. All right, that's going to do it. That's how we're going to end the show. Uh, shout out to everybody that joined us here live tonight. Uh, appreciate all the comments. Uh, you guys were awesome uh, as we went through just a whole bunch of stuff. So cheers to you guys. Cheers to the OBR. We're getting ready for the NFL draft. Make sure you are following the OBR, whether it's online, 
on Twitter, whether it's on their website, make sure you're, you're on the website, all the best Browns coverage. And right here on the streaming network, four nights a week, tomorrow night, it's Barry, it's Fred, it's OBR Weekly. Thursday night, it is Brad Ward with All Eyes on Cleveland. Make sure you're tuned in to YouTube or Twitch for the OBR streaming network uh, as, as we get ready for the draft. And again, as always, our biggest thank you goes out to all of you. Whether you joined us live here tonight, we're in the comments. Whether you're going to listen to this later on wherever you listen to your uh, to your podcast, we love you. We appreciate you for three years. We love that you've joined us for the ride, and here's to many, many more. So for Joey down there in Nashville, follow him at Garage Beers Joe. For Chad on the east side of Cleveland, follow him at Garage Beers Chad. I'm Michael Michael Keefe. What's my name? I'm Michael Keefe. Follow me at Garage Beers Mike, and make sure you're following the show at The Garage Beers on all the socials. Until next week for episode 160, we'll talk to you then. Cheers, everybody.